Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, Carpet Python tele- uh, TV on a wonderful Friday night uh, from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, please uh, just yell out if you can see, uh, if you can hear the sound on your side, if we're coming through all right. Um, we're a bit, we've got a big uh, show. I always get nervous about this. I always get nervous about these shows for some reason. I don't know. never goes away. I've got uh, Brent Smith on uh, on the show with me tonight. Colin's out of st- interstate. Uh, well, not interstate. He's out of out of. Uh, he's on work night shift tonight. Tonight, so um, Brent's standing in. We've got a jam packed uh, show uh, ready for, uh, especially all you guys that's coming up to the breeding season with carpet pythons in general. Let me just introduce myself, if you don't know by now. My name is Manis. My full name is Maindert, um, and I'll be your host uh, along with Brent tonight. Um, so uh, we've got a big uh, show plan uh, planned tonight uh, with uh, about breeding carpet pythons, and I think the title says it uh, right. You know, so you want to breed carpet pythons, and you're not sure how to do it. Uh, well, we are going to tell you. How to <laughs> Let me just go to the the main man himself uh, over on uh, the other channel. Let me just unmute you, uh, Brent. Good evening, mate. How are you going? Evening, all. How are we? There we go. I think everybody's good. Yeah, we'll we'll start populating. I think a lot of people are watching uh, Troy's show uh, on his uh, on this Friday night, so he starts a little bit earlier than us, and uh, we'll just people will slot in. Just remember that if you uh, if you're not here when we start, then you probably miss the start of the show because uh, I I del- the, the the show doesn't stay up after the show. It goes into our our Facebook group called Carpet Python Livestream. Or Carpet Python TV live stream, and then uh, as well, I added. Uh, you might have known Brent. You were one of the first members of the Carpet Python TV or the CarpetPythons.com.au website. Yep. Um, I've got a members Join area. In. Yeah, I've got a members area there now that uh, you just need to log in. I can't see your. I can't see your. Oh, g'day, Colin. There he is. Um, I can't see your login detail. I can see you. I can see your profile, but I can't see your. Um, your email, your address, your 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 password and stuff like that. So I don't think I'll go and hack him there. I just, you know, I think it's just fair that um, you know I. Uh, hacking! Don't don't say that word. Don't what? say that word to me. What say what? Hacking! 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Je- uh, Brent's uh, been very quiet. Uh, for those of you that uh, that were wondering, you know, Brent's been very quiet the last uh, couple of weeks because uh, he had an incident, an incident, uh, a hacker incident at work. Can I say? Can you elaborate, please, uh, Brent? Uh, absolutely. It's probably a good message to everybody, and whether it's business or personal, back up everything that matters to you, from your mobile phone to your laptop computers to the photos you take, everything, and then on a business front, database, um, customer records, everything you have, back it up every day, every day. Take one of these off-site <laughs> somewhere else. Give one to your mum. Give one to your sister. Give one to your next-door neighbour. Make sure you have them everywhere. So we got hacked over the long weekend at work. Um, we had backups. Backups didn't work. Uh, they weren't up to date. Um, some system fails on my behalf. And it cost us six weeks' worth of data re-entry. So uh, that- lesson learned. Uh, and uh- everything up. And you, of course, had to had the had the great job of uh, re-entering all that data, didn't you? That's where you disappeared uh, to, down the black yes. hole of data, huh? Yeah, we went in the black hole of typing like <laughs> a crazy woman, twenty hours a day for twenty days straight. Yeah, um, I had good help. Uh, everyone, everyone was very 
wanting to help and our customers were fantastic helping where they could yeah um, all the staff were great everyone wanted to help but there's there's so many things only i could do so of course i took on most of the struggle and lesson learned you know it's it's in a way it's it's going to be a fantastic outcome for us we'll change a lot of systems um, update software update hardware many good things will come out of this that I'm probably would never have got around to uh, without the experience. So thank you hackers. You have promoted me to move to the next level of business. So uh, you did me a favor. I'm just going to try and get you, uh, your, your levels up a little bit, uh, Brent, because uh, you're a little bit quiet on that side. I'm getting a few people saying that it's a little bit quiet, but they'll just have to deal with it. So that's a great tip from, from a business owner himself, you know, an Australian business owner, small business owner, Back up your data, like tonight, mm -hmm. the data that we're going to share here tonight, that is a culmination of, <laughs> I was going, I was going, literally going through stuff here that is, uh, that I acquired, the information that I acquired came from, I think I started at 2009, all the way back, and that all those images are on my phone, and then, yep. and then because a lot of my information was stolen, we all know that story, um, Luckily for me, I added a lot of that stuff onto uh, my pages and into groups and stuff that I used to be active in. So I could retrieve that information. But I wish now yep. I had a backup. Okay? Yep. Tip but it's also your personal stuff. It's, your, it's the kids' photos that are on your phone. There's, Maybe. There's irreplaceable things outside of snakes and switch. Know, personal information you can't live without. Just switch your sound off on that iPad or whatever you're using there. I think this oh, sounds like, yeah, you probably won't hear it. So um, Brent's operating through a hearing uh, device because it makes him hear better tonight. So uh, that little iPad. So just on the side, there should be a little button, just the, the down button because I'm getting that uh, feedback from your uh, sound on that side. So we'll get it. We'll get there. Oh, that's, better. that's perfect, mate. Perfect. Now we can get into it. So you want to breed carpet pythons and you don't know where to start. And it's the same question that everybody goes through. You know, it's that um, it's that initial entry level. You know, you get into carpets, you get your first, second, third snake, you know, and then uh, and you go, then the, you, you get interested into breeding snakes. And then uh, 10, 10, 15 years ago, information wasn't that re readily available. So these days, you've got guys like me and Brent to uh, fall back on, you know, and... Uh, Especially with the new website that I've, uh, I'm, I'm putting it together so that I can lump information together. So it's literally an online resource instead of a book. You know, instead of a book, you can go and watch a video, and there'll be lots of videos and things on there. And I think this year really is like the uh, this year really is only going to be sort of my entry and foray into this whole live streaming thing. And from next year, I'm really going to make, an, with the help of a few guys that I know, we're going to do a lot more, uh, uh, you know, uh, working together and putting together something for the Australian uh, reptile keepers so that they've got a database to, um, you know, to go and look at. You know, if, if, if your guy gets stuck, you know, so it's not a concept. You know, so when you ask a question in a group, we can refer you to the website link and go and look here. The information's there. Do you know what I mean, Brent? It makes it makes yeah. life a little bit harder. Go and look, go watch the three-hour show um, and uh, you'll get the information that you need because I want to make it as accurate and concise as possible because it's, what, it's, yeah. what, it's what video... I think that, that question comes up so often, you know, and, and a lot of the time it's you're selling someone a snake or you're having a discussion with them uh, through a messenger or something and 
time for me is hard. So I, I do my best and apologies to everyone in the last three weeks who I probably haven't had a lot of time for or super short responses, obviously flat out. But quite often the question comes up, how do I breed carpet pythons? And it's just not a question you can give someone a 10-minute answer on and give that any justice whatsoever. There's so much, so much information, and most of which we'll talk about tonight. But the short answer, have a boy and a girl, throw them together, and you've got a pretty good crack. But from there, there is so much more information, so many more levels, you know, that you need to get involved with to get the job done right and, and maximise your chances of, of achieving what you want to do. So this video will be great for, for anyone in the future that asks me, um, have you got advice on this? This is somewhere I can just send them a link to and you can get the answers. If you really want the detailed answer, if you want a two-second answer, ask it on a, on a chat on Facebook and you'll get 50 different two-minute answers. But hopefully tonight we can give a little bit more detailed information. Yeah, so um, you sent me a bunch of photos earlier uh, last night. We were sort of having a quick chat, just uh, and you know we really dug. I dug deep because uh, there's so many. You know, where do you start? Where do you where do you start with a with a show like this? Because it's I, I don't think there's you know like you could literally speak to people for five hours and not cover everything that you need to do. And a lot of people stop listening these days. You know, from uh, like. Um, Concentration spans are very limited these days. You know, thirty seconds is too much. So we're gonna yep. put. We, I'm gonna really try my best to remember everything. I've got a. Li I've got a list here. So bear with us. We're gonna try and work through these lists. I've got accompanying videos, uh, photos, everything that we can show people so that they can literally go and have a look um, at these images later and these videos later. And it's all in one spot. Um, but I think it will give you a really good uh, understanding of, of of where it starts now. We both know that starting now is the wrong time to, you know, like breeding season doesn't start when it starts to get cool. Breeding season starts. Um, it starts as soon as, literally, as soon as you start ramping your feeding up for the season. So if you've got a, so let's, let's start at the start. The first point on that list that I send you is, have you got a sex, have you got a sex pair of snakes? And you know, mm -hmm. friend, I'll, you know, we won't, we won't go into details, but we both, <laughs> but we both had our, we both have had our run-ins with, with, with breeders that we've trusted and that we've, we've, you know, we've spent lots of money on. Uh, I, I don't think I've, you know, like, you know, Ivan had a, had a massive uh, failure when it comes to spending tons of cash and and getting the wrong sex snake. You know, it happens, yeah. it happens, you know, but to put your faith. In a in a in a in a in a breeder, when it comes to sexing, is sometimes you know you have to double check. What do you think? Absolutely, like it's a, a mistake I made many many years ago. Um, like we say, we won't discuss details. But the the moral of the story is, you can trust all the people you want. At the end of the day, you need to check and be responsible for yourself. So you need to learn how to sex snakes accurately, or get them sexed by someone else. If 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 you're a newbie and you've spent money on something and you want to be sure that in two years' time, you're going to spend a lot of time and money feeding them up and conditioning them. You pair them and they do nothing and they're two girls or you pair them and they're combating, you've got a serious problem. And two years, it's heartbreaking, you know, when you put that much time into something and then it's all wasted, you know. Then you've got to try and get a replacement animal and grow it up to size, uh, change your whole plans and it puts you years behind. So and it might seem quite simple, but... 
a boy and a girl is the only way it's going to work. And there's really no remedy for a stuffed up pair of snakes. Like there's really no, there's no way to 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 compensate somebody for you know raising animals for three years and then finding out that they put the the male in together and the the the, two, the pair together and they start combating and the and the one destroys the other one puts holes into him there's just no way to fix that because mm. you either have to get that adult replaced with another adult normally the breeder doesn't want to take happen. yeah and normally yeah. you wouldn't take back a female or male that's from somebody else. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have ever done it. You know, like I would have yep. tried. I, you know, I had faith in. I've had. I've had a couple of deals. You know, where I go, where I've sent. Uh, you know, animals have bought uh, expensive snakes from me that it went through another channel. Somebody else was looking after them. That and that breeder just sent two males up there. You know, like and, and then left. I don't whether it was known or unknown. A lot of the big guys sometimes. And I'll, I'll go there. I'll go there because it's the truth. A lot of the bigger guys will send you a snake to li to lit literally cripple you, will send you the wrong snake to cripple you as competition down the line. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's known to happen. It happened for years with the green tree pythons where guys used to send, you know, we can't sex a green tree python. We can't probe a, a green tree python. I'm telling you, if you have very steady hands and the tiniest of probes, I probed many gr uh, small green tree pythons, and I could probe them accurately as youngsters. Maybe, maybe not mm. as accurate as, but I could. I could say, look, I could see that guys would take the piss out of that and go, "Ah, oh, this one probes because a male probes, you know, straight out, bang, straight down the tail." And you know, yeah. that's I honestly believe that a lot of these snakes that 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 people have in their collections with broken tails and stuff is because the breeder sex those snakes, and and I don't want to cause issues now in the industry. But you know what I mean, Brent. I mean, it's like if if you knew if you were one of the first, you know, flagship condo breeders in the country, and I'm, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying, if you were a flagship condo breeder and you had people were convinced at that stage, and everybody thought that that you can't sex condos or, or green tree pythons accurately, accurately by, by probing, and then it's, you know, you can hurt them and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, I've no, I've no question that there are people that shouldn't be near allowed near a probe, you know. Yeah. But it's the way that it works. You get guys that we said that we 100% straight up, but it, it takes a couple of questions. You know, it's like reaching out to you and saying, and if 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 there's somebody and you know how I feel about you, you know, like I honestly think that you're one of the most trustworthy uh, uh, snake breeders around. And mm. if you screw up legit, honestly make a stuff up, you'll sort it out. One way yep. or, no, or another. But touch wood, I've not had one yet. I like I've sold hundreds of snakes. Yeah. And no one's ever come back to me and said it's the wrong sex. I, it's got to have happened. I had no doubt somewhere out there I've sold something that's the wrong sex, you know. Yeah. But fortunately I've not had that bad situation that comes back to me. On the other side of it, I've had several times it happened to me where I bought animals and then uh, you know, wrong sex. A lot of the time I've left it far too long and have not acted on it in time. Yeah. The breeders have been fantastic. I've got to say, the guys have fixed it. Um, generally, mostly guys have just sent me another snake or the right sex snake, what I wanted. Yeah. But you lose that time. You you lost those year that year or two years and you're starting again now with the hatchery to grow it up to size because no one has... A, a, a spare adult anything sitting around that they're just going to send you, like you said, to replace something that went wrong. Yeah. So 
you know, yes, people fix it. And I'm grateful to all the guys that have helped me over the time. And I'll do the same. If, if, if ever there's a, a, an error on my behalf, you do your best to fix it. You know, I yeah. think in this world, you, you're only as good as the stuff up should fix. If, if something goes bad, how well you fix it is to how well you live on to the next day. So. Yeah, and I mean, it, and that's what I mean. You, you literally just have to reach out to some uh, a few of the top guys and say, okay, look, you know, a person, that, you know how it works in, in retail. You know, it's like you don't oh. hear about the good stories. You always hear about the shitty stories. You know, so yes. yep. if somebody's out there and he's doing it on purpose, you know, and it's it's terrible. You know, it's it's some of the guys that I honestly thought were straight. Now I find yep. out, I find out horror stories where guys get sent heaps of of you know, and they get it, and they think that they that, that they rest on their laurels, you know, and they'll send extra just a bunch of mails because yep. that's the safest way, especially in the time when they were when snakes were worth big money. I don't think it's, it, you know, it, it's it's hard to now, you know, like it's so easy to get a zebra jag or a zebra, you know, but when zebra jags were $12,000, that was the thing to do was to go, okay, well, you know, a carpet's a different story. It's the things that, you know, like uh, green tree pythons, uh, you know, like you'd, you'd be like, a, 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 you know, uh, that that would be a perfect thing because it, it like the, 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 the community believes that, you know, you can break their tails if you sex them. So, you know, it's a safe thing to do. Unbeknownst to the commoner, you know, I said it for years. I said it in, in 2005, 2006 when I was working with them. You know, I was, you, you can sex, you can sex a, a green tree python with a probe. You just mm -hmm. have to have a very skinny probe. But let's let's move on, all right? So the first thing you need to do is you have to make sure, point number one, make sure you have a sexed pair of snakes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. We agree. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. And I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, heads as well. Heads, uh, there's uh, somebody else. And also, I, make I can only see that's a Facebook user, and uh, that wouldn't be Faye, would it? Let me see. I can't see the name. I'll check, I'll check, I'll check. I just don't want to, uh, we've got a system here. So please, for the guys that are commenting out of the Carpet Python uh, Facebook, uh, the Carpet Python uh, TV live stream, please just say who you are. I'm, I'm assuming it would be. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of those stories there, and especially with heads as well. You know, yes. it's boy and girl or heads where guys would send like uh, one, two males or two females. No, I wouldn't mind two females. But you can't do anything with two females once they're adult. You know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. You, you're spending the money there, mate. We're on the money here, you know. Or 100% head, you know. Head, yeah. head for nothing, you know. That's, yeah. uh, that's the famous one. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 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 you know, but then there are real cases where people make mistakes, you know. and it, yeah. but, it's, but it's usually the... The, the guy that makes the mistakes, usually the way that they try and re repair the the issue that, you know, that, that speaks a lot for for the person, you know, like a lot of guys yep. will go out of their way to try and fix it. I know myself, I've, I've went out of my way to fix things. It probably didn't work, if, go as, far, as fast as I wanted to because, you know, there's no real right answer, like we said. Mm -hmm. So, no, but cover your ass, like trust a friend for sure. Take it to a vet. You know, yeah. for it's a sixty or eighty dollar consult B, you can take it to your vet. They will probe it or pop it as a hatchy or give you a very, very accurate, you know, yeah. choice. Yes, it's what I think it is, or no, it's not. You know, and and most breeders, if they've got it wrong, sure they're going to want someone else to check it, or yeah. no one's going to believe someone else. So uh, there's always ways to work these things out. Everyone's got a mate who can check it for them, but yeah. check it for yourself. You know, make sure yourself you you've done your own research to make sure you're on the right page. Yeah, I mean, it's happened. I mean, I, 
I, I mean, I, and all of us have got stories. I mean, I've I've got a good story where where you know I got some of the first albino Darwins in Australia, and um, you know I got a, a, a adult. I've got a I got a yearling male, and I got a pair of your atchlings from that year, and I think it was two thousand five, two thousand and six, or something like that. First run of the stuff when they when they were released, and Simon sent me a pair. Uh, of yeah, of hatchlings, and you know, I I probed them and sexed them and whatever, and it, it turned out to you know, like it, it it the 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 female always probed a little bit deeper on the left and on the le- one side to the other side, and you know, it, it never really because I you know I trusted Simon, and I was like, okay, okay, well, you know, he said to me like sometimes they do it, sometimes they probe deep. In any case, mm. long story short, I sold that female to another another reptile keeper. He had it in his collection. He actually gave, gave it to another guy to work with. It never had. It it, it never mated. Well, I sold. It, oh no, no. What happened? It, it, it probed deep on both sides. So I sold it as a male because uh, I thought. Yeah. And you know, I was pissed off with Simon, and I was, you know, I was angry and emailing each other, and I think that that caused a major rift between me and him. You never got angry. Stop it. You're making yeah, that story up. Uh, okay, okay, but you know, <laughs> so. Uh, Eventually, I sold it as a male. The new breeder had it for like two, three years. Never made. It went over to Matt, Matt Stockdale over at uh, Victorian Reptiles or whatever when it was still when he still owned Victorian Reptiles in Werribee, and they had that, and the snake just never. And eventually, they eventually they took that snake for an endoscopy. That was when they were like eleven thousand dollars. You know, it was like a breeding size. I sold it as a breeder. You know, when they were like eleven grand. Yeah, and um, snake. yeah, it was an expensive snake. They were so rare. So he took it, got an endoscopy, endoscopy, and the vet came back and said it's a female. So wow. uh, it it probed eleven scales deep, Brent. Mm. Both sides. I've heard of it. You heard know? of it plenty. Uh, in Bradley and a few species, I hear of it commonly. You know, it's, it's uh, not out of place. Yeah. So. It turned out, you know, I just, you know, I never, it was so damaged the race by that time, you know, I could never say sorry to the guy, you know, but it turned out he was right. But in a situation like that, if if I knew it in those days how to pop sex snakes, I would have popped those things. I mean, you know how, you know, I showed, well, I showed, I showed you how to pop sex, you know, so I think I did. Was it, I came out that first time I came over, I showed you some pop sexing, you know, like, I mean, you could see it if you, if you were Possibly. really, you know, yeah. um, so pop sexing. If it was a male, you know, easy males. Males are just, just roll out, you know. Like I mean, it's it's not even hard. Harder to get a male wrong, yes. Yeah. So if it was probing as a female and it didn't divert it, it's hemipenes, and I knew how to him. You know, like I learned all these things. I I used to learn uh, pop sexing on dead snakes. So if a snake died and it was a male, I used to practice the rolling because while the blood still while the blood still. Uh, uh, reasonably you know viscous in the, in the, in the, in its veins you know because that's what pop sexing is you know it's literally just forcing blood into a, 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 a inverted hemi and hemipine. it just pops it out yep. you know so it's important i've got a video here and uh, you can you know like uh, maybe you've got a story to sh- share or something like that i just want to go through here and i just want to make sure that i get this right straight off but i've got a little video that i made here of um let me just uh Make sure that I skip over to this and expand this a little bit. Okay, now I might have to just put this down slightly because uh, this is a little bit. So I've got a video here. You'll probably see it only a little bit later on your screen, Brent, but I'm, I'm keen to try this. So this is a video I made a, f- a couple of years back, and this shows me um, this shows me pop sexing blue tongue lizards and um, uh, carpet python right at the end. So we'll watch this quickly. 
So this is just me with a, a, a small young blue tongue. You know, you have to sort of, uh, for them, you know, that's a female. You'll be able to see there. So you'll see I've got a, a technique when it comes to blue tongues. Um, and then, so there's a male, all right? So it's slight pressure, a roll of the thumb. Both of the hemipenes popped out there. So with blue tongues, you can do it. Not, I probably wouldn't do it with a baby, a young, a really little blue tongue. I think these had a few months. So this one here, you can see how it rolls out, okay? Um, you'll probably be able to see it a little bit later. Like it's probably got a little bit of lag there with you, Brain. Uh, it's just coming on now. So there you go. So that's a female. It's and it's straight up. Uh, the more you practice it, I'm, I'm not condoning. I'm not telling people to go out and pop sex everything. Please, you have to be a little bit. You have to have a little bit of a few years under your belt to do that. So there's another male. Just roll straight out. Okay. So what you're doing is you're forcing the blood into the hemipene. And he's filling up the, the 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 penis with blood, and it's inverting. It's basically basically a, a little a, like a tiny erection in them. Look at your beautiful F10 dried hands. <laughs> They're the hands of a reptile keeper, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know that you know that. So uh, I might just I might just mute this. So this is a snake. Whoop. And you can see the the semen coming out of there as well, Whoop. the sperm. All right. So three times in a row. That there's a fourth time. And then a bearded dragon, just for good measure. Okay. So you can invert any pins and dragons. All right. So let's just maybe go back to this. You can't. So let me just go back there. Maybe just make sure there's nothing else we want to see there. So let me just go back to the snake area. Okay, so there we go, blue tongue, and then the Murray Darling. Okay, so there we go. Gentle roll, not a push, it's a roll. Okay, and you can do this with adults. You can do that with little ones as well. So let me just go back to the our screen, okay, and stop this thing. So we're going to jump uh, We're gonna jump around. You're back on screen, Brent. With the adults, a bit, bit tougher popping adults, and um, I don't know, people, sometimes I feel push a little bit too hard trying to get adults to go. Certainly much easier with younger animals, certainly in that very first stage, just the first week from hatching. Yeah. Perfect time, very little muscle retention there. Yeah. Um, with adults, I see people trying to do it and it scares me. I see how hard they push sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. stop doing that. I, I, have, I have seen that. I have seen it. And it's it literally, you know, like, but, but in saying that, I make it look easy. But I've done that for 10 years, easy, all right? It's the technique, you know, the pressure is something you, you learn. Once you get the male hemipenes to pop out, you get a feel for that's yeah. how much pressure and that's the right technique. So and if the you, pressure is quite minimal. Yeah, so. yeah. and if you, if, you, if you push, if you feel like you're pushing too hard, then you're probably pushing too hard, ah, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's it's very it's very simple, you know. You you just have to watch. It's a, it's a roll, and you start back a little bit back from you. So you have to make sure that your your fingers behind the hemipin, actually a little bit more further behind the hemipin, and you need yep. to go, you know, with make sure you press the tail, press the blood. But we're not, you know, we can have another show to show people a short video when I come and see you next time. We can have a short video on how to pop sex, you know, yep. correctly, and we can go through all the Popping different sizes. Yep. Yeah, so. If you buy your snakes, step number one, and we're only at point one, I think there's 20 points, make sure that you sex them right. And if you're unsure, you know, take it to a, a 
hook up with a, a competent breather in your area or take it to a competent reptile vet that can probe it. And even the problem with vets are that they don't do enough of that to accurately be able to do that. Reach out to yep. guys like us. If you're local in Victoria, I don't mind. You can bring your snake. I, mean, I, I don't mind. I'll charge you something small. No, I won't charge you anything. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but bring your snakes. I don't keep snakes anymore, so I don't care about, you know, I do care about viruses, but I don't, you know, I'll help you out. You know, if you need to, I'll find out what your snake is bringing down there, you know. Um, so that's step number one. Make sure you've got a sex, one of each, because it could end up in big tears for you. And do it as quickly as you can after you receive your new snakes. Because even in that early stages, say do it within a week or two weeks from receiving your animals because then, it, then it's hard, much more likely that the, your, your uh, breeder that you bought the snake from would replace it. Or say, you know, these days some of the stuff's so cheap that he'd probably just send you uh, the opposite sex. But you know, you yeah. have to prove that it's, you have to prove that it's not the sex that you're saying that it is. You know, same day. I, I'm a big when I get a new animal in uh, to putting it into quarantine. My process is I'll set up the tub, um, label the tub. I might spray the tub. I'll sex the snake while that the mite spray sitting in the tub, yeah. and then I'll put the you know while I've checked the sex of the animal, then put it into the tub. So it's a, a process I do for every incoming animal. It gets whether I think it's got mice or not. It gets it gets sprayed and the, the sex is confirmed and off it goes. If it's wrong, within two hours of the animal hitting quarantine, it's it's already identified. Yeah. You, you don't want to know in two years' time, you know. Yeah, and especially a guy like you with your quarantine, uh, you'll probably just say, nah, you know, it's not coming, nothing's coming back. You can just, uh, you know, we'll work out something on the second. So, you know, a lot of guys would go and say, oh, well, you know, you can put, you can I'll sell you another one for half price or whatever. And I, I don't always think that that's the right way to go, you know, like – it's a funny, you know, it's a funny thing. How do you fix it? But anyway, let's not get stuck on that topic again. So yep. we'll, uh, I'll scan through some of these comments later. I don't have Colin checking the, the, the questions, things, but I mean, we'll discuss it. And at the end of it, we'll, if there's real like solid questions and things that you guys want to know, I don't want to, I don't want to wrap up the show and like bounce around. So if you have something yep. to ask that is relevant at the point that we're discussing, ask. But don't ask random stuff, okay? If we're talking about popping and you think it's a relevant question, I don't want to shoot anybody down. Um, if I don't answer, then it's because I don't think it's it's relevant uh, at this point, okay? So growing young to... Okay, so the next point, growing up young. So what... So in your opinion, Brent, if you had the choice, would you buy hatchlings in and raise them in your room? Or would you would you buy adult females in? Because I see a lot of people this time of year... Every female that pops up that people, you know, people buy it because they're going to breed those snakes. What do you reckon? I've always bought hatchlings and uh, I guess it's just the way I've always thought the best way to do it was. You, a lot of the time the animals I'm trying to buy, you can't buy an adult of anyway. So you're buying a hatchling yeah. and you've got to do the time, raise it up and breed it for yourself, make your own plan. So I feel like people are extremely impatient at times when they just want to buy adult animals two months before breeding season and make eggs, you know, in six months time, yeah. it's, it's so hard to buy an animal and get it home. Forget about quarantine, you know, forget about testing. They're obviously just throwing these things in and breeding them straight away. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see that animals settle that well. You take a, a, a female and throw her into another environment, different tub, 
um, different smells, different temps, everything right before breeding season. I, I rarely see that work. And I see people try it so often and then they're severely disappointed that uh, they didn't get the result they want. You know, it's uh, unfortunately this game requires a fair bit of patience oh. and a lot of planning ahead. Like you, you need a female set up the year before. I'll put females that I want to breed uh, like in the next season, they need to be in and set up well before Christmas or the yeah. following year to be breeding in that tub. I won't shift anything after Christmas uh, for the for the following breeding season. They need to be ready to go then. Yep. I agree as well. You know, like I remember in the early days where I was watching, uh, there's a show on um, on the podcast called Reptile Radio. Now, it was this this was the original podcast, and it was ye- years ahead of its time. You know, like Larry and B, I think BT. You can still download it on podcasts. It's just called Reptile Radio, and it was a US-based show. And a lot of the talk was about ball pythons. And it seems like a lot of people get all, you know, funny when, you know, we, it's not, why, why would I watch something or listen to something that's got ball pythons in it? You know, we do carpet pythons. And a lot of those guys, and, and from my own experience as well, the majority of females that I consistently bred every year, every year, never missed it, were ones that I raised myself. Mm. Anything else that you buy in, grew up in an environment that's, and I think that's why, I think that's why wild caught snakes take so long to acclimatize because they grow up in a, a certain set of, of, you know, they've got a certain set of, of parameters that they grow up in that they used to. You take them out of those parameters and suddenly it all falls apart, you know, and they, and, 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 and I think we misjudge how clever these things are, you know. I think they can smell it, they can sense it, you know, the room lighting's different, they're outside of the environment, especially if they've grown up in a box, if they've, bought, if they've grown up in a cage, then that cage is all that they know. Now suddenly you remove them from that, you put them in a new, somebody new, a new collection, with all its own smells and fragrances and, and, and you know, stimulus in, in, a, in a different environment, and guys go, I'm going to breathe it. And, and, you know, you see the matings. And I, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that it, it works like that every time. But, I mean, there are guys that I know, uh, big breeders that have moved house before breeding season from one state to another, and they had absolute rubbish seasons. You know, yep. so yep. it says a lot about those snakes. They're highly sensitive to that. I, I don't know. You know, Australian. You know, it's not like we. It's rocket science. You know what we're talking about. It it it, it is technical. It was a far. It was far harder ten or fifteen years ago when a lot of the stock was like first and second generation uh, captive bred animals. Now we're talking sixth, maybe tenth generation captive animal, and um, it just makes it easier. You know, it really does make it a little bit easier. Uh, it seems like people are. You know, rookies are are breeding far more consistently and, 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 you know, quicker because I guess the information, there's a lot of information out there as well. So that's another tip. If, if you're going to get into snakes and the patience thing, Brent, I agree. It's, it's a lot of people just want to quick, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy quick, quick money. It's a quick money. I'm going to make, I'm going to become a millionaire. You're a millionaire, aren't you, Brent? Oh, several times over now. <laughs> many, many times. Yeah, I mean, we roll in the cat. We roll in the money, you know. But it's, it's also there's just a money grab. I get that people see it as money, but I think people. It's not always about the money. People are just so desperate and in love with the process. They, they just want to breed animals, and yeah. I see that because people are happy to put their. I've got a diamond, and I've got a coastal cross Darwin. I'm going to breed them. Yeah. They're, they're clearly not in it for the money. 
they just want to breed and that's the two snakes they have so they just want to make baby snakes you know yeah, and yeah. i get that you know, they want to want to be involved and and get into the process and and enjoy it i guess but there needs to be a little bit of thought in some pairings too you know before you just throw two of anything together then yeah. um a little bit of planning ahead goes a long way yeah i agree so um point number two on our list of uh, so point number one make sure you've got a pair point number two get babies it's, it's probably the best and be patient you know and 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 buy the best i would also say you know get us as, as get the best that your money can buy and sometimes that means you have to wait a little bit all right so yeah. we set up like uh, last thing on that point of uh, of establishing them when you've got yearlings set up in tubs and whatever you're going to breed them in later on get them into that and i saw it in my own collection not even bringing stuff in adult albino i had for many years uh, in a tub moved her inside to a large enclosure thinking I'm doing the girl a favor, you know, big yeah. new bank. I'll just move a couple of these girls in here. Three years, nothing. Yeah. Just just three years of breeding to inside three years of nothing, you know, yeah. put it back into a tub, bred the, the very first year back in a tub. Yeah. It's almost like a refusal to breed in an enclosure for me because she'd done <laughs> it all before in a tub. And it's in my lounge room. So, there's people, there's lights, there's and, TV, hey, you know, and, everything changes. And if you've ever seen uh, Brent's display cages, they are glorious, you know, for them to just go off and they just go, no, nah, they're temperamental bitches, you know, like oh. they're, they're going, no, 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 what, what are you doing? No, no, put me back in my yeah. house, you know. I'll throw you back in a python tub, you know, like yeah. if you're not happy in the palace, <laughs> you can go back to plastic, that's fine, yeah. you know, I'll put someone else in there. Yeah, I'll put you back in a plastic tub with nothing but the water bowl in there. And, and they'll be happy, you know. It's like, yeah, I like it. It's dark, you know. That's what they like, and it's peaceful. I have no doubt that that room, uh, in my adult rooms as well, I control everything from temperature to light, yeah. and hours of light have timer on the light system even, so that through winter the hours of daylight are cut down, yeah. and it's very controlled, and they're probably very used to that. So bringing them inside to, like, my land room right now, my wife's having some sort of party for one out there, the kids are watching. Uh, <laughs> I was just watching. Um, I said basketball show, the last dance with them. Yeah. So they got that blaring. The, the stereo is blaring. There's lights. There's people. It's you know, and that'll go half the night. So there's certainly yeah. no control in noise vibration. You know, it's um, it's a very different environment to the to the other room, which has never got anybody in it. You know, except for the wonderful cleaning lady. And um, the feeding guy who comes in and feeds them for me. So <laughs> that that uh, that guy that's on the screen there, yeah, that hardworking man, yeah, you know, the working class man, you know. Um, that's me. Okay, well, that that sort of almost rolled into the next into the next thing, you know. So now now we we're starting to move into that territory, you know. It's starting to cool down, and it's uh, you know like, so what are the what are the things that you think is vital to be able to control in a snake room? What 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 things do you think are the the, the most important thing to be able to control coming into breeding season? Temperature is vital. Um, light, probably less vital, but I've always felt that controlling the light in that room plays as much part as temperature. Cutting back that, that light hours almost stimulates them to the natural sunlight of wintertime. So it sends a message to them. I think they're a whole lot smarter than what we give them for. Temperature yeah. and light are some things. Barometric pressure is another thing I think they pick up on and, and they are more aware of things. You can try and trick snakes into breeding at different times of year, and it just can't be done. You can control that temperature and light as much as you like and still not get them to breed any other time than when they're going to breed. Yeah. So 
um, certainly this time of year, it's all about the cooling process. And I, cooling for me, I've read all the books. I've talked to a lot of people. I've tried different things over years. There's people get very tied up in the way cooling has to happen. Um, If you want to jump straight into the cooling stuff now, um, that's, it is a vital part of it, but cooling almost the way I do it these days for some animals, I just don't even cool for the carpet. Certainly they do need cooling, but in a way that it's done naturally that they always get 12 hours of heat through the day. That never changes. That hot spot of 32 to 35 is there all year round, but at nighttime, that's how far I'll let them drop, which is what my cooling process is that they might be set to a minimum drop of 20 degrees, you know, through summertime it's never going to get that cool. So as the winter nights start to kick in and the temperature's dropping, that's how far I'll let them come down at night. So that might start at, you know, 20, uh, leave them there and I'll see the rooms getting colder than that. So another week later I'll drop it to 18. Um, Another couple of weeks later I'll drop it to 15 but they're always getting that 12 hours of heat. And that's the part I think people don't understand cooling about that. They think that they need to freeze their snake for weeks yeah. to make it know it's winter. You know, it's, it's not healthy to have animals without heat for extended periods of time. Yeah. No, I agree. I, um, but it's almost like it, you know, like this, I, I found that there was no, never ever, ag- when they raise, when they grow up in a room, they accept the normal tolerances of that cold season in the room and they adjust mm. themselves to that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like, the, so they'll know that it's, 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 it's colder now because at the ambient temperature, no, no matter what you do, if you've got a, like, you've got a concrete floor, I used to have a concrete floor as well. I, I, at some st- one stage, I sort of put rugs, carpets down just to make sure that the, the floor doesn't drain all the heat out of the, out of the bottom layers of the racks. But, you know, yeah. I never had six snakes. You know, and 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 they just they just adjusted anything that came in. If I you know, because sometimes sometimes you have to buy a, a female, like an I I found females that that I just I knew I needed to work with these girls and I bought them in. But those females always used to have like a sniffle. They they you know they didn't like it, and then they'd have a bad season. They'd have lots of infertile eggs and stuff like that. But it's it's almost like they know. And if there's natural if there's natural light coming into the room. They adjust, and they, I mean, I think this, I, I do think, I agree with you, this whole thing about, you know, you know, dropping the temperature, and there's all this fiddling and stuff like that, I, I do think in a, in a well-established collection, in a room that has, that has drops in temperature, and day, day temperature rises, and nighttime temperature rises, you know, in winter, it does need to go through, I, I do think in winter, though, it does need to be able to drop to a certain, certain temperature, you know, if it's sitting up at thirty the whole day, the whole day and whole night, then you know you're gonna have issues. But if it's got a yeah. window, then you just crack the window open, you know, at night time. Yeah, so, certainly for carpets, and I know a lot of people with anteresia don't even cool at all, twenty four seven heat, and they just get it done. You know, they're yeah. incredible breeding animals. But yeah. certainly with carpets, I think it's, it is important um, male sperm production and the girls to get ready and know it's time. You know, yeah. it's a it is a vital part of the game, but. So uh, just don't forget that heat. That they still can't live without that twelve hours of heat. So there's, I mean, so there's various ways of where you can do it. You know, you can put if you've got a snake dedicated snake room. You know, you can always put your lights on on timer switches. I find that it's you know it's a bit of overkill. You can just leave a you know make sure there's a window in the room. It's 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 recommended that there's a window. You know, something that's not facing 
uh, where, what's the north, you know, where the sun comes from. You know, you don't want to cook your snakes in there, you know. If it's a south-facing window, that's fine. As long as daylight can come in and daylight can go, you know, that's what we need. And then temperature. Mm, I don't good. do windows. I hate windows. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you get cold, yeah. I'll, have, uh, I'll have air con. Uh, I hate that there's heat and, and cooling, yeah. and I can control the temperature of that room if I want it to be hot. Yeah. You know, the hatchy room has a an automated system that keeps them that the room will never go above 30.5 degrees if the aircon will turn on to cool it down. Yeah. Um, and if it gets down to 27, um, the aircon cuts out. Same thing in winter. If for every reason that room's very well insulated, yeah. but if the room ever goes below 20 or turns the heat on to, to heat the room back up, you yeah. know, so that's where all the hatchies live. They live in very, very constant sort of temps, you know? So, yeah, yeah. so if you need to cool the room, aircon window open, whatever you need to do, you know, to get that, that cold air, if you've got an ability like where my adults are in the garage, I can open the doors, right. you know, at nighttime. You only need that door open for half an hour, yeah. you know, to let that cold air soak through the room and you're good to go. I, um, I feel I, you know, like I, 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 you know, I've, you know, you know, I'm a little bit anal retentive about data, you know. No shit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what people love about me. It's what some people hate about me. But, when I started, I, I've, I have this thing that the more you understand about something, the, it, it all boils down to data. So something that I did pick up, I went and visited, so I've said it before, I, I went and visited Simon Stone's setup in South Australia at one stage. And I was intrigued by the way that he, it, you know, you can put a thermostat on and you can run it, but he measured everything, room temperatures, night drops, all that stuff, you know, and then you start sort of, it sort of rubbed off, you know, like I'm an, I'm a, you know, I'm a zoologist, I'm a zoologist and I did a, a honors degree in zoology and I started a master's degree and I never finished it because I'm not a, I'm not an academic, but I'm a herpeticulturist. That's if I had a, a, a you know, I'm a herpeticulturist through and through. And for me, data matters as well. So I started I started measuring a lot of this stuff and you know me me and my gadgets you know I, I ended up getting a there's so many cool gadgets out there where you can measure and I think you've got this stuff as well you know you get, get data loggers you used to tell yeah. me you have to have one of these things the data <laughs> loggers all of that stuff yeah so I end up getting these weather stations that actually connect to your phone wirelessly so you can measure that and it gives you notifications if it's too hot because especially in Melbourne I had times when I had my room was up in the 40s and I had snakes die you know, so for me it was it was it was a it was a, a necessary evil to have, and it made me a, you know, sometimes people say, oh, but what do you need that stuff for? It it gives you a better picture of what we do. Yeah, sure, you can go into a breeding season and say, oh, you know, I get so annoyed with these people. I get so annoyed with it. And I know it's a, I know it's just something that people have, like the snake gods will look after me and fingers crossed and stuff like that. And I honestly feel that if you can collect data of a good season and replicate that data every season, you will have the cons the same results every year. And it's hard to do because the majority of us don't have dedicated, act snake. we don't have snake rooms built around the collection that we keep. So I ended up getting this, I ended up getting um, data loggers and Wi-Fi notifications, you know, so I know, you know, it's over 40, you know, I have to go home, air conditioner on just to make sure, you know, they can handle that stuff. But sometimes, you know, you know, if it's if it sits there for 24 hours, they're dead. There's no way a reptile is going to survive in yep. that constant heat for that long. It's just, it's, you know, if there's a water bowl, the water's also going to be hot. So in any case, I started to log this data and it gave me a real good idea about what nighttime temperatures are doing. 
And a good, a well, a well kept carpet python in 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 cooling season. People get so stressed about cooling them, but a, a healthy carpet python that gets given the parameter that gets given the requirements that they need to stay healthy won't get sick if they get twelve hours cool. If they sit at twelve for twelve hours at like. 10 or 12 degrees Celsius, you know, it gets lower. What, what's the, what sort of nighttime temperatures do you got, Do you have down in in your snake room over breeding season, Brent? 15. Yeah. It rarely gets much below 15. 14, I think, is probably the lowest I've seen it go to, yeah. ambient temperature in the room. And and But in in summertime, it would be up in the 20s. Especially. Always, yeah, lucky to get under 20 through summer. Yeah. So, and you knew sometimes, you know, you think, oh, it's cold outside. And they'll sit there in an ambush position, you know, ready to take food. And you go, oh, okay. Yep. Well, I've heard I've heard people say that you're not supposed to uh, feed them in breeding season. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, co- we'll cover that stuff still. You know, I'm just, I'm just talking. With, I just want to touch on data and the necessity of this. So I've got a little video here. I'm just going to. I'm just going to switch over because I like this uh, switching. Uh, it makes us look all fancy. Um, <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm playing it without. I don't want to burst people's eardrums. So I'll uh, just put this sound down just a tad and just start it up and just start it without sound. Okay. And I'll show people what I'm talking about. So let's do this. So I found this uh, little data logger. I'll put a link. I'll put a link in the description after the show. Or I'll put a link on the page. I think it's a, it's a requirement for anybody that wants to, you know, accurately log stuff. So it comes. You, you could you, you download. You, you, it's a unit that comes with two probes. So one probe usually, the unit itself is a probe, and it sits on the wall. And then you've got a a, a cable probe that goes that you can run into an incubator or into a un, under a tub because. There's various points where you want the temperature. You want the temperature under your your lowest tub where your thermostat is to see if your th- what the variance is with your thermostat um, probe, and then the room temperature. So I'll just play this. So all of this information's on your mobile phone. So this is I'll see what it runs through. So I'll pause it in different sides. So you can set up alerts. So alert name reptile room, and then you can set your your temperature where you want that to. So you can say if it goes above, say. 40 degrees, then you can get an alert. If it drops below a certain temperature, you can get an alert. So this, I think this unit costs something like 110 bucks or something like that. But it's a great little bit of kit to have. Then it gives you readings. So you'll see on this screen, there's a reading. Um, no alert set. So at the probe, there's you've got your the reading on the sensor itself. So the sensor that sits on the wall in the snake room, you've got your probe that's got 17.7 degrees Celsius and you've got humidity, your humidity down at the, on the bottom bar. And it tells you there how often it gets seen as well. So last seen, whatever. So sorry, Brent, I just want to, you know, this is something that I thought is interesting to know that they, this stuff yep. is out there. It's good information. You yep. know, it's out there. Get one. Uh, it tells you the battery's life as well. So it warns you when the battery's running flat as well. So you don't have to even have to worry about that. So then um, it does these graphs. So you look at that graph there. Sorry, I can't get rid of that uh, play button there. But the top one there is your, is your humidity in the room, which is good if you, know, you want to know. Yeah, it's good to have a, a humidity because in, when, when, when there's a cold, when, there's a, uh, a bar- when the barometric pressure drops and when there's a, a, a cloud, for, you know, the cold front on the way or when there's rain on the way, then the barometric pressure goes up. And usually that coincides with breeding behavior. So you'll see your snakes being a lot more active when that barometric pressure is right up at the top, when that humidity is right up at the top. 
Okay, so you've got your sensor. So the green, the red, and the green line on that is your temperatures on your different probes. So this was when we just set it up. So it, it's very similar. You know, we haven't put one probe in the incubator yet. But when you've got an incubator, it literally keeps it nice and steady, nice and flat on twenty-five degree, you know, twenty or thirty degree line, and the other one goes up and down. You'll see these spikes. Um, I just wanted to show you. So I don't know if there's much more to this. And then, of course, it gives you every a breakdown of it, it does an interval, I think, uh, from what it looks like. I think every five minutes you can set the intervals of when it does the measurements. But when you run the, it tells you exactly over time what the different temperatures were. So I just, I think I actually sent you this, this video year, years ago, you know. And then you can get, of course, the data. So you can export this data as well to give you an idea. So if you run this, so if you run this sensor probe setup, um, and it gives you like a you know the model name and all that stuff. But if you run this the sensor over say a year period and you've got a kick ass, um, you've got a kick ass uh, uh, season, then you should try and replicate that as close as possible the following season because it's not a guarantee, but it gives you a good chance of uh, reprodu reproducing your results. And a lot of us guys that have bred for long, uh, for, for years know that some females literally lay their clutch on the same day or a couple of days around the same period. Yeah, I mean, you would have probably seen that, Brent. Yep, certainly. I think people sometimes say to me, oh, you know, you've got a little bit too much control over it in the wild, which I love the favorite quote. You know, they don't have this, they don't have that, they don't have this this sort of control over themselves. They have all these variances. In the wild, many of them die. They don't get the success rate of back-to-back -back breeding and the hatching rate that we see in captivity. So the in-the-wild story is fantastic for snakes in the wild, but we're not dealing with in the wild. And when you've got an extremely good outcome, of course you want to reproduce that and you want to give every egg that's laid the best chance of hatching that's why we take them and incubate them and give them controlled temperatures and high humidity we give them the best chance at life and the same with your breeding results you want to if you're going to pair up 10 girls you want those 10 girls to go you know like if you're getting three out of 10 that's probably what's happening in the wild and they breed every second or third year uh, if you want good results you put in the effort and make the best conditions for the animals you can so I guess the next thing is, you know, like uh, I think what people fail to uh, realize as well is that in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where the ambient room temperature goes down in, in summer, the hotspot, you know, if you ever walk into a snake room on a cold morning, you can see those thermostats are busting ass to keep that temperature yep. where it's supposed to be. And most of the time... It doesn't. It, it they can't get the. We think it looks like they're getting the temperature up to up, to, but they don't. So there is a natural inability for the thermostat, unless you've got like serious heating and stuff. But if you only if you're only doing a small, a small hot spot like about that size, then there's mm. no way that thermostat is going to make sure that that th that little hot spot's going to sit up in the 35s or whatever to to keep the snake warm. So there'll be a natural time of the year where the hot spot's just not going to be as hot as it's supposed to yep. be and if I find you that with cord especially yeah um you, you find times it won't work when you've got ceramic heat emitters those things pump serious heat out so you know you yep. want 35 you'll get 35 when it's zero degrees if you need it to be so that is a disadvantage of of heat cord that sometimes it's limited to its ability to heat you know yeah so um 
it's gonna happen. It's gonna. It's not gonna. They're not gonna be getting as hot as they they normally do. You know, and it's it's just it's it all rolls into this whole thing, and that's where the cycling and you know I've heard people say, but they keep their there's guys that keep their snakes at twenty eight degrees the whole year round and breed their snakes over in America, but they raise those snakes under those conditions where it's twenty eight mm. degrees the whole time. I tried mm. that one season, and man, I had a disaster. It was a disaster because you know I like to try stuff. I try things. I mean, it's it's. I don't like to just believe books, and uh, it's maybe just I don't know if it's a flaw, but it's made me. It's made it makes you a better keeper if you're willing to try different things. When you get a recipe that works, there's no point in trying to change it. But up to that point where you find what works for you, and 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 Brent and I, we're not we're not saying that what we do is 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 that be an end all of keeping of of making carpets, but it's a good solid foundation to work from if you're just thinking about starting, you know. There's a between the two of between the two of us is at least in Australia for me. I mean, I started breeding carpets in 2004 or something for 2005 when I got here. So between the two of us, there's there's, there's at least 20, 25, 30 years worth of reptile keep uh, like snake breeding. You know, um, so what's the next on that list? Let me just make sure we're still on, on track. So female there's still another little device too I use that yeah. people might like called um, Sensibo. It's a little uh, device hooks into any aircon that has uh, your remote control, like your electronic new style aircons. It's a sensor that you connect into that room. So if you're in your adult room, you can place this sensor just plugged into the PowerPoint and you tune it into, uh, you basically you use the remote from your aircon to send the signal that yeah. it, it programs itself for your aircon control. Yeah. And then you get an app on your phone that then makes a total automated system. So, they're about 160 bucks at um, Harvey Norman, yeah. and you can then set up your parameters for that room. So you'll set uh, at 30 degrees, um, turn on aircon at level uh, fan at this level, try and cool to 20 degrees, yeah. and then you set the parameter for when the room gets down to 25, turn the aircon off, um, and you can set that for all heating and cooling, and it's fully automated. And it it's brilliant that on a hot day, it actually it will send you a message. Um, to say react has turned on um, and the room is at this temperature. And then a few hours later, you'll see um, it has turned itself off and it will send you a message to say, you know, the room is back to this temperature, it's, it's shut down. So it's, it's good peace of mind, you know, during those really hot days that you don't need to rush home to turn aircon on. It just does it all for you and you don't have to stress about it. Yeah. Where was this stuff 10 years ago? <laughs> I was looking everywhere. Stressing. Question yeah, for back, you. Back question. in the days, I used to always panic about the yeah. incubator was like, shit, it was the one thing you'd, you'd stand yeah. in front and be fanning with core flu, <laughs> you know, putting ice buckets in the bottom yeah. of the incubator Cold to try water. and keep it cool, you know, like uh, the things you'd stress over, you know. We had yeah. power outs before, I mean, winter, yeah. you know, and you're just thinking everything's freezing. I can't be without power for this amount of time, you know, so... Yeah. So the technology's got a lot better, definitely. So it's, um, it's, it's good to have those things that make your life a bit more comfortable. A question for you: Did you plug that phone into mains power because I'm worried the battery dies? This could go longer. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> what are we on? On fifty-one percent. We're good. We're good. Hey, good. You're good. Yeah. And you can see, I'll, 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 uh, yeah, I'll send mes- to Siri a message when we need to. Uh, <laughs> I got a charger here. We're all good. Yeah, here we go. And I'm sure you'll have something there. So just, just it was just something that flashed through my mind. Then thinking about technology failing, uh, but you know, uh, I think Marty, Marty asked here, would that work on a Dyson eater? Now, a, 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 a pro tip 
the new Dyson heaters, if you buy the fancy one, I think it's like five or six. I got a cheap, I got a seat, like I got a X floor model from um, Harvey Norman's uh, or the good guys. And I think they all come with an app as well. All the new Dysons come with an app that you can literally set as well to put the fan on and warm the room. You know, for the longest time, I used Dyson heaters to raise the, the, the ambient room temperature as well when I didn't have insulated rooms. I was always worried about about cooling, but then I realized over time that if the snakes grew up in those rooms, they're usually resilient to that. And as long as you can give, as long as you can give the adults, uh, I mean, you can you, twelve hours. Give them twelve hours at thirty-five degrees Celsius. That that thermostat is not going to get that heat up to thirty-five even in winter as well, especially Victoria. So, just for the record, so just just to put this lay this out nice nicely for you guys. So the room temperature can drop to whatever the room temperature goes to. Usually it needs to be lower than 20. Uh, you know, safe, safely it can probably go. I've seen photos of carpets sitting out in minus degrees up north, you know, and they're fine because they know the sun comes out and the sun will warm them for a few hours a day. So whatever the daytime period is where you are, give them, I would say give them heat for the day, daytime period. So when the sun comes up in the morning, have your thermostat set to that because they'll maybe not crawl out immediately, but maybe if it's a 12-hour day, give them 10 hours of, of 35 in the hot spot or somewhere where they can warm up. And then at nighttime, just drop the temperatures. I used to but not be even... Be mindful also, I had this discussion with a mate the other day. If, if you've got your snakes, sorry, in, a, in an area that's bloody freezing and you're trying to give them 12 hours heat with heat cord, yeah. you might need 14 hours of power to achieve that you know you yeah. might have 15 degrees when you kick in yeah. but by the time it's getting to the 35 hotspot you might be looking at three hours of heating time so giving them 12 hours you're only giving them nine hours of hotspot so yeah. you need to measure you got to check and i, I always find you, you got to do it on a weekend i find on a sunday you got to get up and check those temps before yeah. you know things kick in check them at 10 o'clock check them at two o'clock and and log the data, you know, and you know at the night time it turns off. And that way you can know that it's set up right. And when you're at work all week, as we all work because we're not millionaires, then you know full well <laughs> everything's shit. working correctly, you know. Yeah, data entry. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so what a job that is. Yeah. So <laughs> make sure you. There's a, there's variables. You know, every every person's room's going to be different. But that's sort of what you do. Then um, I, th I think that, so that basically uh, so give them a hot spot. You know, uh, the next topic I, th I think um, whether to feed them or not feed them. I know you do things different to what I used to do. I've I've tried different things. I I've when I early days I used to just you know I listened to I used to you know, I used to talk to a lot of breeders about carpet pythons because to me I wanted you know to me it's about perfecting the art of what I do. Always. It's like whether I do videos, whether I do photography, whether I do deal with snakes, it, it's about cr perfecting what I do always. And I don't, you know, it's, it's just maybe it's just built into the type of person I am. And you, you know me like that as well, Brent. But you can't be a rookie, I know. You have to be the best. It shoots me to death. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's, a, it's a flaw. It's a terrible flaw for, to be like that. Perfectionist. Not the worst flaw, but you know, it is your flaw. Yes, it's it's there. It makes me <laughs> freak. It it totally, it makes me anxious, and I get all weird and shit about rubbish, you know. But it's it's just the way <laughs> I am. But 
I I used to always, when the females stop feeding, in the early days, I used to stop feeding them as soon as they refuse food. And then I'd just do a blanket stop feeding. And then, you know, love gets easy because you don't have to clean that much. They they, they can they can handle it, especially when they don't have get as warm uh, at night. They need to be as warm at night. So it seemed to help. They don't need to digest the food. So when the temperatures drop like that, you know, they don't have a big meal that sucks up all the heat and, you know, they don't get stressed out and stuff. But I know in later in later years, I did I did start feeding females as soon as it started. It's sort of, I used to ramp up their feeding, say, from March all the way through breeding season. And then I used to slow them right down when males started to mate with them. And I used to some some of the females that that didn't was, was reluctant or early. We'll talk about ultrasound uh, after this, or uh, you know, once we figure out this day, once we start talking about cycling. But the then I started feeding them during in that early like March till uh, July August, and and I you know everything the, even the girls that didn't look like they were going to breed, they became gravid, you know. So there's different ways of doing it. Tell us how you do it, Brent. I do it differently. I was very fortunate to get some really good teachers when I started out. I'm still a newbie to this. You know, I don't, you know, self-confessed pro to this game. I've only been doing this a bit over 10 years. But when I started out, I had some really good teachers from the start. There was guys um, that I bought my first snakes from that taught me lots of stuff. I was lucky enough to get, you know, um, a lot of information from you back in the day. And like we all do, we talk to lots of people. So... When I first started out, everyone was very much of the opinion you must, you know, stop feeding everything, let them shit out everything, uh, yeah. cold, freeze them, you know, make them feel it's winter time for weeks, yeah. um, and then pair them up and they just don't eat for four or five months through through mating, yeah. and that's how I did it for many years, and it's successful. It works like that, no problem at all. But I chose to, as like you say, I, for some reason, thought. I don't think that's great. I'd see females come out of the end of season, they'll lay eggs and they look like shit. And I just, yeah. I remember the first few years thinking that snake, Can't be right. it, it doesn't look healthy to me yeah. being in that poor condition. And then it's a race to get weight back on them for the next season. And I had so many girls that wouldn't back up the following season, just because I felt like they were so punished from that experience of yeah. six, seven months of no food. And I started to think maybe they can eat. You know, if they've got 12 hours of heat through the day, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to eat. Yeah. So I do things a little bit differently with my girls now that if the girl's big and she's she's four, five, ten years old and she's got plenty of weight on her and she's a pro at this, yeah. I'm not worried about feeding them. I'll call them. Uh, I, I might feed them once or twice through a season if I think they look hungry, you know, they're not interested in breeding. When they're deep in season, I don't think they care about food. Yeah. And most of the time they don't need food. So I might, I'm not feeding them big meals. I'm talking about small rats for very big snakes, adults, and two, three feeds through the season or nothing yeah. and whatever they come out fine. I find where I tended to have more success was the young girls. I don't breed girls at 18 months anymore for a few disasters and I just don't think they're ready at that age. We'll but touch on it later. I, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but I, I pushed young girls. I got them to wait. Yeah. And I found I could feed them right through season. I would worry about the cooling. I'll get some natural cooling at night yeah. and I'll just keep feeding them. And I'd feed these girls long into June, July, and they're still feeding and they love food. They're, they're used to eating every week. So yeah. they would still take food. And I would find I'd have girls at 1.8 kilos start of season. 
And by the time they're, you know, going, getting towards pre-laid sheds, they're at 2.2, 2.3 kilos. So they were Gee. where I felt comfortable that they could drop a clutch. So yeah. uh, I, did, I, I really look at the snake and what condition I think it needs to be or what it's going to be after season as to how I feed. Yeah. So I don't think there's an exact right answer for feeding, but I certainly don't, I wouldn't be scared to feed um, during season. And I've always, I try to expel the myth. People said, if you feed during season, it'll bring them up out of season yeah. and they're, they're not worried about mating anymore. You know, I think that's, that's not true. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, it, it, there's so many ways of doing this. There's so many ways of doing this, but it all boils down to as well having, I think uh, one thing that I've seen about you that you do really well is you you read, you have to read the animal. You know, people forget yep. about it. You know, people people think they put a snake, you put a snake in a box and they'll just, they just, I don't know what they, I don't know what they're doing. You know, they're either not looking to them and, you know, you need to sort of, understand their body language if you can put it that way and i don't think a lot of keep i don't think a lot of guys look at the body language the way that you know they don't pay enough attention maybe they're looking at their phone the whole time i don't know but i remember every night going out there you know look at them observing them seeing their posturing you know you, you can see when a female's grab it. You can see when they're... Un, un, we'll, we'll look at some videos later of, of females that are, you know, ovulating and that, that are, are, are definitely grab it because they move different. Females that are... Female that are... A female just that's just lying there and it's not showing any hunting, you know, that doesn't look like... Why feed her? A lot of girls, and I've seen... Maybe not that many. It's sort of... It's sort of stopped when I started working with my own babies. The females just kept eating. You know the stuff that I got. The stuff that I got. Oh, that—that's what's wrong here. This headset's cable's a little bit loose. That's why I'm only hearing through the one net. <laughs> I just figured out what was wrong there with that tech. Thanks, thanks, sir. Yeah, your your head, yeah, no yeah. always a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's important to sort of, and but that only comes over you. And if you pay enough attention, and if you make it your mission to understand the snake, be the snake. Be the snake. That's all, I mean, biggest tip. Be the snake. Understand yeah. why they're doing that. Do read, 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 and you'll understand. You know, understand their biology and why they do the things that they do. There's a lot of books with raw data in there. You know, like uh, the complete ca uh, carpet python's got a lot of data in there. Uh, the new, the new one that's coming out's probably going to have even more data in there. And interpret the data. Get the books. There's a lot of, you know, you can go on, online and find information about how big eggs are and, you know, how long till the sheds and all that stuff and whatever. And we'll touch on that later in the show. But it's important to understand the snake and, and, and be the snake. Now, you've quickly touched on it. We've, we've sort of, and it's, one, it's, a, it's a point that I didn't put in here. How would you treat, uh, okay, we'll go, how do you treat your males during, be, during cooling season? What do you do? What, is there anything specific that you do to the males other than that you, what you wouldn't do to a female? Yeah, food I don't see as important with the males and I find they're completely less interested in food sooner than the females. You know, yeah. being males, I guess, they're, they're focused on one thing like many males do in many species and yeah. not much else matters to them. So I'll, I'll certainly, I like them to get cooled. I think it can aid in sperm production. Yeah. And really, like a lot of these things are, like I said before, to get the best results consistently, these things matter. 
you yeah. can throw your snakes together year after year. If you just pair your snakes on, off, on, off, on, off for six months, you, you're likely going to get a result, you know. But yeah. if you want to do this and get very, very good results time and time again, these are the things that matter. So yeah. um, I think males, yes, don't worry about food as much. Make sure they get cooling. Um, and then obviously you move into the combat Oreo, which we'll touch on soon again, yeah. but you just got to make sure they've got enough size because they also like size wise, I think will suffer as much with no food by the end of season. And I've, I've spoken to other breeders that you push a male trying to make him go six, seven, eight females. He's going to work hard and it's a workout for those boys. Like, you know, yeah. the girls might see that boy, once in a cycle of, of seven or eight females, he's the one doing all the work with all those girls. Yeah. He's getting no rest. Um, and if he's getting no food, you can kill a snake. You can breed a, a male to death. You know, by the end of the season, they'll be in very poor shape. They'll get an RI and they'll be dead. They'll, you be, know. they'll, be, they'll be rooted. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a dad joke. They'll die joke. happy, but they still die. <laughs> So I used to I used to keep them I try I, I used to keep males cooler than females. So I used to ro rotate them to the bottom of the rack. So I'd have uh, ten yes. females, one male at the bottom, ten females, and I used to I used to very, use low ma low males. Like I mean I used to, but uh, they w we'll quickly touch on ultrasound. So a good a, a good time to start using an so early days i mean i had to go through photos there i think i, st I started using an ultrasound in 2010 because i just i was fascinated about what it could add to my understanding of what goes on in the females in, in their bodies okay so i started using i had to go through i mean i had to go through some 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 folders here of stuff years ago i think 2010 2011 and luckily i had some stuff still there i had some videos of how to ultra ultrasound the the snakes um, I don't think I uploaded a photo of what the ultrasound is, but I'll put an ultrasound, I'll put a photo on the page after the show so people can see what I used to. So I see a lot of people do ultrasound. I saw a lot of these guys over in the US use ultrasound units, and I used to use these old box ultrasounds and stuff. And I started scaring the internet, and I eventually found a company that makes a USB uh, ultrasound that you can literally, so it's, a little, it's a little unit about the size of a, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a Apple T, uh, it's maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a, about a 25 by 25. It was a little unit that you sit next to your computer and it had a USB yeah, cable that, a yeah. little, like a little, like a decoder box almost, yeah. And it, ha it had a little USB cable that goes in the back of your computer and at that stage, you had to have Windows XP. You had to run Windows XP, otherwise these things just wouldn't work. But, they came in really, I think there was two and a half thousand dollars or something like that. So it was really affordable. There's a lot of money for me then. And um, I ended up getting one of those. And you know what? It opened a Like looking at them and wondering why is this female? You know, they showed all the signs and they bombed out at the end of the season and there's no, no eggs. But they went through all the motions, you know, they rolled up, you know, upside down and stuff like that. I could never understand, but what went wrong? And I think the big thing with the ultrasound unit was that it, it opened that gateway to be able to see inside them and understand what the biology what the biology was that they were going through. So at that stage, there was no information around. I mean, I nobody was talking about it. I don't think a lot of guys were doing ultrasound. I don't think I don't think carpet guys. I think carpet guys were occasionally taking a female to a, a veterinarian or at, at ball python, but but I, it was no information. So I started scouring the internet. I found a, a couple of uh, videos of guys that, that, you know, 
taught, showed how to do it, uh, ball python breeders, you know, there was, luckily there was resources where it cost some money, I do, in those days you couldn't just buy stuff, you know, you had to like PayPal it across and wait, uh, you know, a week and a half, two weeks to get it, but it's sort of similar to now, but the information, you know, was hard to come by. So I literally went into that with no idea about what I was doing. So the most important thing was that this, these units were really compact and, and, you know, like I couldn't understand why the Americans used these big old, old, old hospital units with convex probes. So you'll see people use uh, uh, ultrasound probes come in like a dome shape, like a convex shape. Those are the wrong heads to use when you ultrasound. You have to use a linear probe. So a linear probe is a flat head. So it's like a it's like a, a Doppler, but it's a, got a, a flat front on it, so you can hold it flat against. And those um, probes usually scan at higher frequencies, so at at like uh, seven mega, five megahertz and up. You know. So how it works is that, and this is all stuff that I had to learn, and I had to go and find it on online and stuff like that. So. If you do have an, we could probably do. Uh, I was thinking about getting, you know, like it depends. Uh, there's a few guys. I sold a few ultrasounds in the back in the day to a few guys that still use them, and you know, like it, it really just adds more to what I'm not saying. Everybody needs an ultrasound because not everybody's serious and and and, uh, and a little bit crazy in the head like I am, but <laughs> but for what I needed it to do, and I had like 30 or 40 adult females, you know, I wanted to understand what goes on in in the different localities at various points of the year because some were breeding early, some were breeding late, you know, some were breeding January, you know, like Bradley and and, and, and Dimus Pilotus Piloto were breeding right at the end of the year. Why? You know? So I ended up getting the thermostat and I started teaching myself how to do it and stuff. And it was a real, real handy tool, you know, open up, you know, my understanding more of, of what was going on. I've got some videos here, uh, you know, of of how the ultrascan... I don't know if we should go too much in, I mean, I feel like it could be a video by itself as for special members on the website. What do you think? Brent? It's a specialized area. Definitely. Um, I mean, I, I haven't done it with the snakes. Um, I recently tried it with my vet, um, for the laces trying yeah. to establish and see some follicles in some to identify females in the laces. Cause that's another area that very hard in a, the world of sexing monitors, yeah. um, and laces is, is a nightmare. So they're, they're trying to work on ways. Now we, we tried, um, four laces of mine trying to identify follicles in them. It's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's new technology. There's not a lot of people who've done it to get data from. Yeah. Um, but we, we had success with one where we could see just the black faint outlines, um, of it looks like follicular development. So, um, I guess if you can hone in on those skills, uh, it can be very useful to try and identify things, but it's it's hard in um, in the laces. You you're looking for follicles, so you need a mature female, um, and you just you can miss the timing if you, if you're out by a few months, um, yeah. you're seeing nothing, and you're thinking it could be male, still could just be a female that's not you're not showing any signs yet. So yeah. um, certainly for the snakes, yeah, it's, if you if you're very serious about it, um, there was a time I talked to you many years ago about about ultrasound and then he taught me other ways to to feel things yeah. so um i i went that different path and these days i'll probably do less of all of that you know i because you just know what to look at approach than ever yeah because you can look what you can look at them and know what's going on you know but sometimes you, you know read it and feel it yeah sometimes but sometimes you have that fee one female that consistently every year misses the and then when you scan her you realize but man i've been putting the mail in way too early or way too late 
You know, some females yeah. go so early, and you miss if you miss them, they reabsorb. So I'll go. Th- I'll show you some. I'll, I'll show you guys some uh, some some images that I did. I've got video as well, but I don't want to bore people to death. You know about this stuff. It's very. This is very technical stuff, and this could have been early days. I don't know. I don't know how. But I just want to show you some of the pictures that I've got here. So um, this is what a, a typical ultrasound. A screen looks like so you've got in the top left corner you've got your type of probe that you've got and you can see i'm running at 8.5 megahertz so how it works is high megahertz the wavelengths are shorter but you get a lot more definition in the picture so and you and it doesn't go as shallow you know so when you're scanning you you literally just want to scan so a female's oviducts run on either side of her back one on the left-hand side, one on the right-hand side. So you, you you literally have the probe from the top of the run the probe down the top of the back. You put you have to put uh, ultrasound gel down. And uh, Chris Nelson and I did this so much because early days I thought you have to do this once a day, you know, <laughs> and overkill, overkill. You do it literally do it early on in breeding season, and then you sort of. Uh, do it once a week after that. You don't want to stress the girls out too much as well. But I handle them almost, I handle females consistently. You know, I see people go, oh, we don't touch them. We don't touch them during breeding season. And it does nothing to them. These things are tough, tough as nails. I've never seen a female not have a clutch of eggs because I was ultrasounding her. And and carpets are not as easy as ball pythons because carpets try and get away, you know. So you have to cover their heads. I used to put their heads in a snake bag and then, have them coil their tail end around the leg of a table that I used to do it on. I, have to, I used to have the special table that was always, and then by the end of it, it was all all full of aqueous, you know, like the, the ultrasound gel because you need to have at least five liters of that stuff. It's very involved. So I had some notes here next to this, but it's sort of out of picture. So this was from a hypermelanistic hyper, hyper female um, with numerous developing follicles. So you see these small little round black dots there. That's tiny little follicles developing in this female. So there's a few there. They're only small. I think they're about 10 mils across. Um, and this is a coastal carpet pythons. And they coastal carpet pythons, they sort of grow follicles at the same time as what jungles do. it. And, and, and my preliminary observation there could be totally wrong. But I think it's because they're very genet- genetically very similar, coastals and, and, and jungles. And then I'll just find one that's got a measurement. So that that is what a good egg looks. So a lot of people look at these screens and go, what are you looking at? But you can see a faint outline right above here. That's the spine running here. So that's the spine. Okay, so you're scanning down. So this is the guts towards the stomach, and this is the back. So the scanner, the probe is sitting on top here. And it's scanning that deep. So this represents, that's one centimeter, two centimeters, three centimeters down. So these dots on the side. And then you've got your, you've got your follicle sitting right there. And so a, a, cross, a cross section of that is at 24.29. So this, this egg, this, this follicle here is the perfect time to put a male in with this female is right now. Okay. So I, seem, I, I think it used, to, it used to be sort of between 18 mils and higher, but then past a certain point, depending on how far the, 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 the follicles are down, the female's oviduct, you know, you're sort of playing on dangerous ground. So about 20, between 18 and I'd say 25 would be the perfect time. And, you know, the females can saw the sperm and then, you know, they, uh, they fer- they'll they fertilize those eggs when they feel right. But it's always good to, I used to use a male once or twice and I always used to get a clutch out of it. 
So that's a follicle there. So this is another. This is all. This egg is all. This is almost ready to go. So that's three thirty-three point three six. I would say this is probably probably moved down the oviduct quite close to the cloaca by now, and that's ready to go. But you can see, uh, you can also see f slugs when you look at um, ultrasound images. You know, slugs are far more dense, so you'll have. Uh, this darker appearance to it and when you palpate you know brent you've probably feel females as well when you when you run them through your fingers and you feel those when it's really firm usually those it turns out to be slugs when you're palpating females females that full feels like there's almost a give to those lumps in their stomach and they're nice and round and plump those are usually fertile slugs you can feel them because they're like hard lumps of of you know you know what a, a slug feels like it's a solid mass they feel like that yep. in the female so we'll talk about palpating but there's two ways. You ultrasound or you palpate or you just look, you know? So Did you always find the, the slugs were coming out first. I always feel like when they're slugs and you feel them in the body, but when they're laying the eggs, I always seem to, the slugs will come two, three, one, whatever's going to come. And then all yeah. the good eggs come. I, I, I always found the good eggs came after the slugs. Oh, you me too. You know, so um, they used to, and they sometimes expel those slugs like randomly. You know, like a week leading, yeah, maybe early. a week or two yeah. up to the thing. You know, so I just wanted to. So this is a good one. So that's thirty. That's also thirty-one. You know, thirty-one mils, and then the diameter is at twenty-four mils. So that's a good, good egg. And there's like just a, a few more. So twenty-one point nine. I'd put a male in there with that female, and then you find these little lumps. So this is real early, early days. Um, so the note that I made here was this Darwin female that has never bred in my care. I believe this female to be infertile. Note how solid and dark the follicles are. These follicles should be around two or thirty millimeters in diameter already at that time of year. Okay, so I think this was this was the second year after I've used the ultrasound unit. And then yeah, I just made you know I just wanted to show people where the thing is. Now, when you're doing the scanning, if you're scanning from one side, you will pick up the eggs on the upper on the opposite oviduct so you'll sometimes miss them so you it's good to it's good to scan on both sides you know depending on how you hold your your ultrasound scanner you know um so there's just some more you see how they butt up against each other so these eggs as well these eggs look like they 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 they, they, they progressing well you know they they growing and you can see they sort of when they push up against each other there that's usually a good egg it's, you can see it's almost like a light colors a lot of light colors inside it uh, very another. pliable inside yeah. like soft jelly bags yeah I've got some photos of, of the, some of the photos that I've got show eggs just, just came out of the female you know they're like, like soft and then as soon as they start sucking air in it's almost like they start taking in you know, absorbing air or something and they just firm up you know they start to breathe yep. basically so that's at 27.9 I just want to go I just want to see if there's any other situations here where so see like that that, this is the, like, that is something these little dark spots here, like I wouldn't hold, hold my breath for that female. Uh, developing follicles are between nine and so that's that's a jungle. So it also depends. Early in the season, you know, they look little little black dots on there, and then as they as they progress, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. So and then on this screen here, so this is where you start. This is the gallbladder. So you'll start sort of halfway down the female's body, and as soon as you hit that sucker, that's the gallbladder. Right above it, you'll see they'll start. So the oviduct starts right there. And then what happens is the oviduct, so these are all young follicles growing up there. You can see they're all the similar size. And you'll find ones that are big and small and whatever. Usually the small ones, they either 
they end up being the slugs. Like it's the, the it's the ones that are similar in size that are usually fertile eggs. But you can count the eggs, and you know, like some people just want to count the eggs. I mean, I can count the eggs running a female through my hands as well. So, um, so the gallbladder there, and then you start then you start seeing them after that. And there's another picture of a gallbladder. So the gallbladder can be full of fluid or it doesn't have to necessarily have fluid in there as well you know that's why this gallbladder looked a little bit deeper so we won't bore people with this i'll, I'll see if I, i'll just run a i'll just keep over to our our uh, picture and i'll just see if i can find i've got a i've got video here of ultrasound as well like I, as i said i don't want to kill people with bloody uh Ten thousand pictures of. I just want to see where is the profile. You know, to jump around on Facebook. See, this is what I don't like about Facebook. You have to do far too much digging, and then I've got a photo of what it looks like when you. I've had one that died, and then you know when you see this, Brent. This is when you start to cry. Let me just mute this. Let me just uh, pause and go back. This is what makes grown men cry. Is when you see stuff like this. Hang on. Okay, so that got a female. So this is right in breeding season. That's the liver running down here. I'm hoping that's right. Just guessing. And then you see the fat. That's the fat that grows the follicles. And once you get down here, there's the, the gallbladder right there. And look at those. So this female just died. And you see all these follicles packed. Right, see how they're butting up against each other like we saw in that video? That's them. So there's a bit of money. There's those are all uh, head for granite double heads. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Did so, you get that photo I sent you of the, the ruptured follicles in that zebra? Yeah, I did. Just uh, you'll have to talk about something. So tell us a story. Okay, tell while I find the picture, tell us a story behind the visual because it. I mean, this is uh, this is one of the reasons why you've sort of decided to you know you know maybe maybe ease off a little bit on the food. So you tell us a story, Brent. Yeah, the, the zebra one, if that's the one we're talking about, it was um, yeah. uh, a female I had um, years ago, went into season as per normal, um, felt her follicles early in the season, all progressing well, uh, had mated. I think everything was going fine. And I felt something was wrong. Um, she seemed to get very stiff in the back end and when they're grabbing, you know, they, they get a fair bit of swelling, but those eggs are quite pliable. And the, the snake, you can let it run through your hands. And like you say, you can feel the movement of the animal should still feel they move in a certain way that they still move like a snake. You know, yeah. they're not like a very long, fixed, hard blob inside them. Yep. And this girl just felt odd to me. Um, I I didn't feel like the pictures on the things screen were going now. well. Yeah, I just didn't. Something wasn't right. I mean, this was this is quite a few years back too. Yeah. Um, and I, I came home from work one day, and she's dead on the bottom of the enclosure. And yep. I was wow, you know, it just blew me away of something not right here. You know. Yeah. Um, I think it was on a weekend. I rang Robert Johnson, who's a local reptile vet back then. He's recently retired. Yeah. And um, had a quick chat with him. He said, "Yeah, put it in the fridge. Bring it to me next week. We'll have a play. Um, by all means, you know." If you want to inspect, go for it yourself. So, I pulled on the gloves and um, and went went to did some surgery and found that giant uh, solid green mass yeah. right through this animal. 
Um, I think I sent the pictures to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you thought straight away ruptured follicles, which later on Robert Johnson confirmed. Yeah. Um, and Robert said to me that is the biggest mass of ruptured follicles he'd ever seen in a carpet python, and it was basically like a a giant piece of corn. You know, it was it was over a foot long and solid as like it was like a giant solid piece of fruit buried inside this animal. Um, And, you know, I cut the thing open to to have a look inside and try and learn from the experience and just work out what happened, you know, but it was quite a shocking experience. But um, these are just some of the things uh, that can happen in breeding. You know, they have they have miss ups. Um, And at that time, I, I felt possibly maybe I'd contributed to that because that was an animal I do remember extensively feeling follicles for from early in the season to yeah, later yeah. in the season to late in the season best, very hands-on with her a lot. And I almost felt perhaps I had ruptured those follicles myself by, yeah. you know, putting that girl through so much process of me learning, you know, she's one of the first snakes I ever, yeah. ever did it with. And, you know, the process she taught me, letting her crawl back into the enclosure and letting her naturally move through your hands and letting your hands run along that, that belly of hers while she's relaxed. And I, I probably filled her up 20 times that season and perhaps me not being very experienced in it. Um, I thought maybe I had contributed to, to that situation. So yeah. there is certainly a point where you can, I think apply too much pressure yeah. um, or maybe that was just a freaky thing that can happen. You know, it's just the only time it's happened to me. Yeah. Um, and Robert Johnson said he he doesn't see it a lot. He has seen it before. Yeah. But um, but it could so have. But on the other side, on the flip side, though, it could have just been a it could have just been a problem with a female. I've seen it with a I've seen it with a girl yeah. two years ago as well that just died, literally died yeah. in like I was busy looking at it and she just lied there and died. And I could feel she felt like she was stiff and whatever. I cut her open and I found exactly that same thing in there. But yep. the previous year, I've got a video year of um, so this this same female the previous year had complications with, um, I think I said, showed you the video. But I, I made this short video. So what happened is, she went past the 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 she went past. She was like, she started suddenly having these uh, big lumps toward towards a cloaca. You know, the eggs moved down. It looked like she was ready, and then she had this lumpy appearance down. And I've seen that before. That is usually egg bound. So yep. I took it to Shane. He said, you know, like, I, I don't like to put them down and manipulate. But, and I thought, okay, maybe there's another way of doing it. So I thought, okay, first first point of call, let's put it on antibiotic just so that she doesn't get an infection, you know, because that's really what kills them. They can have that inside them until they can get surgery and get it taken out. It's the infection that, that, that mess, that as soon as that gets in their blood, they die, you know. And... um We've started. We treated it with ba- a little bit of batril or enrotril or whatever it's called now, and then uh, the next week, it, we, it was just possible to move it. Now I just want to make sure that I um, I've got this, and I'll show I'll show you guys. Let me just switch over to the the desktop view. So this female you'll see now. I'll, so after a week of so after about two or because you know with batril it's every second day you you inject. Is it every second day? Yeah, it's every second day. Second or third. Yeah. yeah. Um, I administered it and that sort of made that it made it a little bit more mo- movable. I could feel it moving. So if you if you force that egg out, you would tear her apart inside. I've seen guys do it enough, you know. 
experts, you know. They, but I see the messages that people send around. Oh, you know, like he could see the, you could see this membrane over it when he was pushing real hard, and then it all ripped out and stuff. You know, people I've seen this stuff happen over the years. But I'll show you. So this this egg, so that's manually removing that. So there was two in there, but he was very very gentle, and you could see it just pop out. But I think I think the fact that I used um, I used some 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 bait roll. Uh, let me just switch that nonsense off. Okay, but I think the fact that I used bait roll sort of I think they it, it it shrink them a little bit, or it made them you know a little bit like lube them up a little bit to get them. And I didn't add, I didn't know a lot of people put uh, so I don't want we shouldn't go off track here. This is this feels like we're going off track. Um, Randy, you're here. you're right. You just yep, it yep. almost looked like you I'm froze. watching a video, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it almost looked like you froze there, and you know, then I start get, then I start stressing out here. But I, I managed to remove it and that same female next year had that whole lump thing like you had. So some girls just have reproductive issues. And I mean I could say that it was from me that that did that, but there was no, you know, I wasn't forcing that egg just rolled out of there, you know, like I mean, there's no bits on it, you know, you and you can, you, there are ways to do that, but I'd be very reluctant to breed a snake like that the next year. I, I yep. should have, and I should have listened to my gut feeling. This was in another a friend of mine's collection, Chris's collection, so that I was helping out. So just don't get an idea. I don't have, like, this is Chris's collection that I was helping out. So um, let's just see if we're still on track here. So ultrasound, I spoke about, you know, I was going to show a video just quickly of ultra of using an ultrasound. Let me just find it. I know I had a video somewhere. Okay, so uh, let me just see if I can start this without starting the sound. So I'll just go to the desktop. So this is just a, a quick ultrasound video. Like the younger follicles. The female. See right up at the top yeah. here, the black round circle, so that's small. It makes sense. This is a different type of carpopython. You can hear the David Attenborough in the background. <laughs> and they pop up, so there they are. It's trial and error, you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff, so, uh, you know, like, you, you, you have to never be scared oh, of... Them. And there's a gallbladder. There's a gallbladder, yeah. And then they'll start be well, appearing right above. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Those little ones won't amount to anything, or they could be lying further down the back on the other side of the snake. And a few more large ones, I'm happy with that. Okay, so that was just a, a quick video. So those units are really nice, and now ultrasounds are so compact, they just a, they just a probe, and it's wireless and Bluetooth, and you put them in a little dock after you've used them, and you charge them. They're a little bit more expensive, but they're sort of the same price now. That those wide ones were so, and with snakes, their tails just grab, carpets just grab onto wires and pull them around and stuff. So you want to you want an ultrasound unit. If you're going to get an ultrasound unit, I highly recommend getting something that's wireless, and you need something that's linear and you need something that can scan at high frequencies. Very simple. Simple. Okay, so, so we move on from that. So visual cues. Now we've got tons of photos, but what visual cues are you looking for? in a female to know that it's the right time to introduce that male brand. Go. Females don't give off as much. I think males are much easier to tell um, 
females will be obviously less interested in food. They'll quite often, they'll sit on the heat a fair bit. Um, they're, they're harder to read, I guess, early in the season when they're ready. Yeah. Uh, males are simple. They're pacing. You know, you see them start hunting around the tub. They're not looking for food. They're looking for love, you know. So yeah. when you see the male on the go, it's the time he wants to be somewhere else. You know, he's ready to go and explore. So yeah. um, certainly time to, to start pairing up the, the boy if you see him see him keen to play. Yeah. And 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 uh, the, the girls, uh, so have you ever noticed, I know you keep on paper, I used to look yep. at I used to look at the paper because the paper tells a story. So I used to always see these trails that almost looked like blood on the on the bottom of the paper and 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 I soon realized that the females use the, you know they I'm sure you've seen it you know they start waving their tails around as soon as they know there's a boy around they'll start using their tails and they'll start rubbing that cloaca of theirs on the ground. Now whether they I think they must secrete some for, sort of pheromone in there to get those yeah yep. they they scent their cage and a, a, a female that's ready to go, you know, the males are always ready to go. I mean, that's why I see people put males if males in with girls now and they start mating, you know? Yep. Um, so, what's this? I'm back, boys. Oh, yeah, Colin's here. Colin's here in the house. I, I so, certainly see, yeah. I think it's a good sign. Sometimes I'll put a male in and you'll see a female will go and excrete shit, you know, like it's yeah. almost like they're clearing the path, you know, for, for entry. It's... Yeah. I think it's a good sign when when that happens when you put a male in the girls are ready to play. So. Yeah, they. Um, but as soon as you see those trails as well, you know that's 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 usually a good. You know, the females start and a, and a female is ready. They'll just lift their tails and it's right in there. You know, within yep. within half an hour, you could walk out and you could come back. And if the, if the girls like, nah, you know, like crawling into a hide box, you know, and the boys in there and you lift, you know, I used to just walk in and lift the hide box up. A lot of guys are, don't disturb them. But if you if you don't see them mating, how do you know that they've mated? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, it's, I used to, I used to, I actually used to take out the hide boxes a lot of the times. So I used to take, and if they're good breeders, they'll mate wherever, no matter if there's a hide box or not. It's not like they can go into a little room out in the bush where they are, you know, if they find, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll uh, spur that, that female and I think I've got video somewhere. So um so that's that's the type of thing that you look for, you know, and the, the females will get a get a little bit rounded and, and, and all that type of stuff. We'll we'll get there. Let me just see. So introduction of males. Now when you introduce males, what do you uh you know, if a male's not, you know, let's talk about male combat and all that stuff. So a good male we both know, a good male will be right into it if he's ready, you know, tail tongue flicking um, I've got I've got a video of a male uh, a, a blackhead python that's that's spurring a female and trying his luck. What do you what do you normally do if a male seems to be less than less than compliant to what you want him to do, Brent? I, all males are different. Obviously, some males I don't even bother with with combat. Um, some will just go in and get the job done. They just know their experience. They know what's done. Yeah. Young males I find sometimes will need a little bit of a uh, bit of combating. Yeah. Um, depending on the snake jaguars obviously is something I don't like to combat. It's something that's only going to bring on stress for them, which is the last thing they need. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about combat, I'm talking about 30 seconds, 60 second introduction, male to male. Yeah. Um, I'll do it with in the females tub. So the, they'll take the male that I want to use, put in there with the female. And then I'll take another male from another pairing and yeah. put them in there. I'll let the boys actually combat in front of the girls yep. um, 
and then I'll pull the boy out. You know, it doesn't need more than 60 seconds or it can be less. Sometimes you'll find a male will dominate on top of another male and push him to the ground and really give him such a hard time in 20 or 30 seconds that it's enough. You know, yeah. it's enough to fire up the dominant one and the, and the other male, you know, he will get, he'll get a shock and might kick himself in the gear to, to get ready, you know? So let me just also combat dressing. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot um, more you can do with the females. I think I do it in their tub. So the females are a part of that. Um, yeah thinking it might stimulate them to, oh, yeah, there's, there's action, you know, there's boys fighting over me. So yeah, let me, uh, I might give them a cue that it's time. Let me um, show a video here of a uh, black-headed python that's uh, spurring a female. So this is also a good sign. You can see the tail twitching. and Usually the male's got uh, little spurs. Male's got little spurs on just next to his cloaca and pythons, and they use those little spurs to sort of tickle the female unt until she decides to lift her tail. So this female, see when they twitch their tails like that as well, I find that carpet pythons do that, that too. Females that are ready will twitch their tails like that. And you can see him go there. See how he's trying to push his tail underneath it. I can't remember if this video actually shows him lifting it up. So what he does, he just keeps on doing that. And then eventually, I did breed these, these blackheads that breed for us. That's that clutch that I had, the only clutch that I... <laughs> we got them in from Southern Cross Reptiles. We put them together and they started doing this. And I said, there's no way that this female is going to breed. And then she laid a clutch of eggs. So um, there we're back. So I'll uh, I'll find some... The other thing as well, there are little tips and tricks to do to get males. So a reluctant male, so you could do combat. Th stuff that I used to do is I used to just take a shed from another male... And I'd throw it into the cage with the female and then introduce, you know, the male that you want with the female. You use another male's shed and you chuck it in there and, you know, it sort of gets them, gets them all fired up. I've got videos here of uh, male com uh, males combating. Let me just quickly see. So these were some of the... Let me just check. Even the shed did you mention years ago i remember saying get a get another male shed jam it in the water bottle yeah you know shake spray. it up and spray it around in all all the all the tubs just so they get that scent of another male around yeah i do find that male combat between males that are similar in size yes. is okay you can't do a male that's twice the size and you know, it'll just kill the small male and small males will just usually dart off you know and it will stress them and most of the time those small males will just go into a shell and not breed for the season because he got his ass whipped yeah. you know so here's a here's a just a video of male combat as well so see the the zebra jag there is a little bit so he knows there then his nose was up you can see the tongues flicking and you know that's also also a stimulus for boys you know they like to they like to i think they like to punch on a little bit so you can see the alert levels are high those are really nice those are some of my best jags that i've had man good look look at those things huh that these things ever existed <laughs> oh my favorite that white that white snake there was definitely one of my favorites but you can see you know it stresses our jags a little bit you know i don't know if you said a jet uh, a brent he's a you know the yep. nero you don't want to exacerbate that but it's a nice looking snake you know and i didn't leave them in there for too long you know you re really just want that one male to sort of rub himself over the female i also used to use sperm plugs i've got a photo of sperm plugs that i'll pull up before you know i also used to pop out sperm plugs when i when i pop them it's always i used to pop them to get the little antler you know like there's like a, those plugs i used to remove 
pop them before I put them in with the female just to make sure that, that they don't put that plug into the female and it's actual fresh sperm that the sperm that goes in there. So you see now straight straight on to the girl he's going, Oh yeah, that is home. That is home. There we go. Let's get in that. So um We'll go back. Oh, I like this uh, flashing. I like our video presentation we got here, mate. Uh, it's nice. I like it. It's very, uh, very special. So um, we did that, and then I'll uh, let me just quickly go through uh, you. Uh, anything you want to add, Brent? While I look for these bloody photos, I wish it was a little bit faster, but I have to go no, through. I see. I see Darren Boswell saying um, he gets females pacing as well. Um, certainly true. Um, yeah. I just find it much more common in males. You know, I think the males are the one probably uh, that naturally go looking for the females, yeah. um, looking for the fights, looking for the big, big hero status to get the girls. Yeah. Um, uh, females certainly, are, I think they're they're receptive to it, and not uncommon to see them them out exploring. You know, a little bit more during mating season. And, here's um, another here's another video of of boys combating. Now, this male that's in this video. Uh, was a guy that one of the first, my first albino, and him and that male every season he would punch on with this guy, and he was far more aggressive than that standard uh, standard wild type Darwin, but he used to destroy other males. That white snake, that male as well. When people were telling me that uh, you know you can only use one male over like maybe three or four females, that male with the ultrasound in conjunction with the ultrasound. I used to consistently get, I think his first se- or his first proper season, he gave me 12 clutches. When albinos were, were you know, were still, you know, when, when albinos were still worth something, he used to give me massive amounts of clutches. He was just a, such a great breeder. Crazy, but you can see they'll do this for hours and he used to, he used to break that brown male eventually because he just didn't stop. And he used to bite. He used to be a biter when he fought. So it's all, every, every male seems to do it differently. So... Let me just and go back. Uh, you don't see a lot of biting. You know, I certainly don't find um, it gets to that level of violence. You know, it's generally just a wrestling match um, yeah. to spur them on a little bit. But yeah. I've heard of stories of biting and I've, I've seen some pretty nasty bites where they'll gr- grab and rip skin, you know, like yeah. super glue fix sort of injuries from, from you know, combating gone bad. So I've, I've actually... Needs yeah. Like very close monitoring. If you're going to do it, yeah. um, be ready and be ready to tear some snakes apart. You know? yeah, and you don't walk off. You know that's not something oh, you no. do and just go and have a quick smoke or have a quick drink of water. You know you 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 watch them when they do that. I did I did see that happen with a female once that grabbed. I, I introduced. Yeah, you have to be very careful when you introduce those males. Sometimes some of those girls are so in tune to eat that if you put a male in there, that something that moves suddenly, they will go for that. I had, a, I had a zebra jag once. I'm sure you can remember. I had a zebra. I added a zebra jag into a female, and that female tore holes into him. I would have photos. I just you know didn't think of that at the, at the moment. But yep. in cases like that, what I used to do is I used to just pinch the skin together. If, the, if there was the laceration was through the skin, I used to just pinch the skin together and just put a little bit of super glue on there. And just hold it down. If it stuck my fingers on it, you know, you just have to be careful. But that seemed to go through. And then by the end of the, you know, males tend to also go through. When you know a male's done for the season, they also go through. Yeah, my dad's great, isn't it? When uh, when they go through, by the end of the, males go through a shed. And usually after that shed, they sort of go, no, nah, I'm not interested anymore. Sometimes they Sometimes they go back. But the majority of males sort of towards the end of the season will go through a shed cycle and they'll just they'll just quit. That that's they they hang up their boots for the season. But by that time, you should have had like at least twenty or thirty 
proper uh, hookups with the females. Let me just see here. I'll show you uh, people what uh, a good indication of a female as well. So another thing to look at when you... Um, when you've got uh, a lot of carpets and when you're introducing the males, you know, if you're unsure if a male's mating, um, I used to look at these. So you can see the you can see the tail sort of where the vent is. There's like a little stuck bit of sperm there, and you'll find that this you'll find that this the scales are twisted over as well. See how this uh, vent like the what do they call it? That scale. That's a specific the cloacal scale. I don't think I don't think that's cloacal scale. But this little scale that sits right up here. See how it's almost rolled in so when the hemipene pulls back in it pulls that it pulls that scale in so if you're not sure if the, if, if, if you want to that's something to check another one one of those observation things that you do with a snake so see how the how the sperm plug how this piece of sperm's hanging out of the cloaca that's usually a good sign that that male was up to mischief the night night before so it's a little mm, cues ventricle scale i think they call it uh, something something i'm not gonna you know I'm not going to incriminate me here now. Somebody's going to say, look at that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, because of the scale. Because you get people like that. So um, let me just see. There was other stuff here that I wanted to show. So if all goes well, then you'll end up with a lot of uh, a lot of mating. So let me just show some, let me just show off some pairings or some photos that we've got here. So um, this is sort of this, the type of stuff that you'll see. You know, a nice, nice firm hookup there. Um, let me just make sure this is sort of uh, I just want to go through some photos so this was my setup you know I used to write on the box so I used to introduce them to I used to introduce and every time I introduced the male I'd have a code for every male had a code and the female had a code so the female had her name on the on the rack and then the males used to have codes and a successful hookup I used to just put an asterisk next to the, next to the hookup and the date and it always used. To, I always used to use the same male. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a. I'm not a big fan of of using multiple males. I know there's. I know there's a photo a, anal scale. It's not an anal scale. It's not an anal. It's an anal. It's not cloacal. I think it's a cloacal scale. Anal scale. I think is uh, yeah. Um, I'll have to check up on that. Um, so that's what the the setup looked like. And then um, you know, if you're lucky, you get the eggs. We'll talk about eggs. I just want to see if there's any more. So. Signs of signs of being gravid. When you scratch your ear like that, we can all hear it's like echoes, echoes. <laughs> <laughs> echo, echo. It's my hollow head inside. Yeah. So this female, I'd say that's gravid. What do you reckon? Looking at that photo, if it's popped up there, that red light jag. See how nice and round. I can't see it. Can't see it yet. I'm on a delay. Okay. So you can usually see the female. You know, see how this uh, this mass. Uh, yep, is, yep. You know, this rounded shape to it. You can see the scales pulling apart. Yeah, I would say this female is this is ovulated, and you can see how low this these eggs have started to move down to be laid, and they just sitting there baking. And they tend to they tend to sit a lot on 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 the heating. You know, on they go on the heating a lot more often. When they at this point, yep. you know, sorry about that. Yep. You know, I was cleaning that cage, but I saw it. You know, you lift the paper and they sit there. And I didn't like to disturb them when they're at that point because you know they definitely grab it. You don't have to feel them anymore. That's a female that's going to give you a good clutch by just by how the scales are moving apart. And you know, as soon as you touch that back end, she's going to be all over the place trying to kill you. Yep, you'll see that scale separation where you'll see the white come out in between the scales from the from the swelling. And I'll see even in that photo, you can see I noticed they'll roll onto their sides a lot of the time. They'll they'll get that laid over look to them, um, yeah. and later on that becomes the belly up. But 
quite often in the early stages, you'll see them just laying not straight. You know, it's almost like it's more comfortable for them to, to, to lay over a little bit. So I've popped up that photo of that bread lie, that beautiful bread lie uh, female of yours. I say Bradley. I don't know Bradley, bread lie. I say bread lie. Um, mm. So I've popped up that photo you sent me of her with the inver- inverted belly, you know, like, but I've had females that do that and they didn't e- end up having eggs. You know, so yeah. it's it's a combination of different things. You know, it's like that firmness in the back end. You know, sometimes they just lie there. Sometimes females are just fat and they do that, you know, to get comfortable. Most of the time it's grab- being grabbed. But, and it needs to be sensitive. They need to want to kill you when you touch them or they need to get that, that, that you know, that move that's pulling their, their tails out of the way or their back ends, you know, like don't touch me. That, that sort of body motion, that, that sort of body language that they give you. So mm-hmm. I think you'd probably see that photo pop up now. Let me just see if I can find some more um, images of females. So I'm not sure. This is, this is also one of Brent's photos that he gave me. It's a big jag on a, on a black tub. Um, that you'll probably see a little bit later. So I think it's I think it's your um, head for a xanthic f- female that you had in your lounge, you know. Anal yeah, plate is the scale. Okay. Yep. Anal plate is the scale. So yeah, I don't know who gave this. Probably Darren. I don't know. Seems like. So. Yep. Darren Boswell. Yep. So the in snakes the anal scale or anal plate is the scale just in front of and a covering of the cloacal opening. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for helping me out there. I was wrong. I was just not sure, but okay. So that that female there, that photo that you sent was that that female gave you a clutch, yeah? Yeah, definitely. That's that's the ovulation happening for sure. Um, there's another picture I sent you of her sister. Um, same deal. Used to have gigantic ovulations, like a football exploded inside her. It was very you could not miss it, you know. And it'd be 12 hours, uh, 18 hour time. You'd see that. I think um, this is it. And one of the other things I'd uh, was it a normal was it that normal the normal the normal female? She looked like a normal coastal. Uh, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I've not got a jag. The other just um, caramel uh, coastal head exanthic girl. Yeah, so you'll see uh, that. There's a picture of her. Yeah, I've stuck um, Sitting on the um, on the substrate in the bottom of the enclosure, yeah. and looks like she's just eating a rabbit. You know, it's very you can't miss it. You know, it just yeah. it explodes inside them. Um, but you'll see right above her where she's sitting there um, is the heat lamp. And I always find during an ovulation, they want that heat. They want that constant temp. Yeah. And something you must do as soon as you notice the ovulation or you're sure they're gravid yeah. is what I do is get them onto back onto 24-hour heat. I think that's the moment that the egg development is happening. The eggs are being fertilized. And that's the start of the process where you need them back on yeah. full 24-hour heat. Um, until they'll lay the eggs and obviously then the eggs go into the incubator on yep. on constant temp, you know, at 30, 31, whatever you cook them at. So, so um, you must get them under heat as quickly as you can see. That's why it's important to check morning and night um, to see those ovulations. It's rarely, I think, that they can happen. They can happen inside a shorter period than 12 hours. But if you're checking morning and night, there's a good chance you'll see that ovulation. Yeah. So uh, and then there's just the photo. I'm just I'm just posting up some photos here while you're talking about that. So just it makes life a little bit easier. But then there's a photo that you send of your azantic blackheads. So all, uh, pythons seem to do it. So these, especially the bigger pythons, are very you know especially big eggs as well. You know if a female's got a lot big clutch, you know the belly rolling and the you know the inverted position that they assume. You know that that's sort of very very symptomatic of being gravid. You know yep. the, on the I rare think when they're full belly up like that. Yeah. Um, 
I think it just takes pressure off those eggs hanging in the bottom of their body, you know, dragging on them all the time. Yeah, all the uh, intestines, yeah. I think two things, I think it probably takes pressure off them. They can go to a different position. So, you know, it just shifts everything in their body. But also, I think also they're where that exantic sitting as well, directly under the heat. I think they're also trying to absorb that overhead heat straight into where the eggs are to keep temperature right as well. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a, two-factor thing you know it's um yeah. it's comfort and it's heat who said sorry there to that i didn't yeah i didn't it wasn't a it wasn't a dig like uh somebody said they're sorry uh, like, i think it's darren Boswell yeah that, that's about, that i'm um, just the scales yeah that's stress that's stress i um i just i don't mind getting corrected it, it it teaches me stuff as well i was just not sure about anal because anal they don't have an anus so in my mind it was just like you know do that you know but let's not get sidetracked so um I'll put it back and I'll see if I can. So I've put posted a photo of that granite of yours. So I'll be, I'll, you'll probably see the photos come through. But as they pop up, just have a chat to them. So you've got that. There's a photo of a granite also um, inverted in a cage. Granite, yep. Um, certainly they, and certainly towards the later stages before um, laying the eggs, you'll see them start to really twist up. Um, they'll, they'll get that very uncomfortable feeling, and they they want to they're, they're pushing the eggs down um, yeah. towards the vent. And obviously there's a fair bit going on inside them. And during that process, you'll see them get very twisted up and turning a lot and, and really getting ready to, to start pushing those eggs out. Yeah. Um, I've got a video somewhere. I don't know if I sent it to you of a albino Darwin um, sitting coiled up and gently rolling her whole body around in circles. Just, you can see it gently pushing those eggs down, 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 you know, it's that process where the last few days, before they're going to lay, they all those eggs shuffle right down towards the back end, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when you know it's time. You know, like you're going to see that generally 30 days after the, the pre-lay. Let me see um, if I can. You're going to start to see those eggs eggs rolling out very shortly. So let me see if I can find that video. I, I'm not sure if I update I uploaded the videos that you sent me. Somewhere. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it's something you wouldn't take much notice of, but until you, you study the video, you start to see those little processes early you know oh, okay. early in the piece where they're shifting the eggs um you just get a feel for each process when you study it a fair bit you get to know what's happening inside them yeah let me just check i think i'm pretty sure i saw it here i just need to find it because as i said uh, i'm jumping around a little bit from uh because i loaded stuff up in di different bunches and you know like i don't don't really want to miss out on anything that we can show people yep just an uh, albino girl on um on white paper yeah, I'll um Just sitting nicely coiled. If we if I get it, I'll um I'll stick it in there. Um, but let me just have a look and see. Here. So, once they start doing that thing, uh, you know, like ovulation, uh, like I see, I see a lot of you know, I call. So when they ovulate, I mean that's that's probably the most significant significant indication that there'll be eggs. All right, it's done. Yeah, yep. providing so, they're fertile, you, that's, yep. that's game over for so, as far as so, your male's work is. So at the point of ovulation, that's when the eggs get fertile and they move down. Yep. Okay. Yep. So um, it's highly unlikely that you won't get a clutch. I, um, you know, I've uh, touched wood. I, you know, like I can't remember if I ever saw ovulation. They do sometimes have, they they'll have a fake ovulation. Sometimes they'll have an ovulation and then they'll get all okay. You know, they'll. It'll be nice and soft again. They'll move around again. Uh, females that go through ovulation and re retain that stiffness really in their back end. I, th yep. I just I just showed a photo of uh, 
a, a zebra jag, I think, with a, a real, you know, she ovulated as well. So it's more obvious in younger females. So I'll just poop, pop this up and I'll just show people what I mean. So this girl here, that that is so thick there, that's ovulation. So once this thickness tent seems to move further down and, and she didn't lose that posture, she's still annoyed you know, some females go, you know, if you know that there's, if the clutch is, there's not going to be a clutch, then that female will just start acting like a normal. She'll start looking for food and stuff like that. So this, this, this position, they'll hold this position for the rest of the, the season until they lay the eggs. Okay. Very important to remember that. Um, I'll certainly find a snake at that point. And if you're unsure, a, a bit of an indicator I find is if you pick up that animal now yeah. and li and lift her up by the middle of her body, she will try to pull her back end and all those eggs back up to her herself and coil them up. It's almost like they try and pick up their body to support themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, you pick up an animal that's not gravid, that tail will just just hang. You know, they're just sitting there. Uh, no, no attempt to try and coil and take pressure off those eggs, you know, dangling down. So it's oh. certainly something I've found as a, a bit of an indicator that girls that uh, are likely going to lay, they'll, they'll try to cup themselves, you know, to hold those eggs up. Yeah, yeah. Sort of a protective, like a protective position. Um, yeah, yeah. So what I've uh, what I've noticed so th so things that I picked up over the years is that when as, as soon as that ovulation, if you can if you can get if you can hit the if you can spot the ovulation, usually they'll have a shed between twenty and a, a, a fertile clutch. And I've I stand by this a fertile so they'll have an ovulation, and they'll have a shed twenty to thirty days after that, and then you'll yeah. have you'll have a, a good clutch. Okay. Thirty days after that. Yep. Yeah. So they'll so, so I call it a post ovulatory shed, and if it's anywhere closer, so if it, if they have an ovulation and they have a shed like ten days later, that clutch is uh, majority. Th that clutch is going to yeah. be slugs, or it's going to be some other bullshit that comes out of their cloaca. But yeah. I've I stand by that, and I'm I'm sure you'll find exceptions. But then usually the usually the breeder didn't catch the ovulation. They sort of factored in, you know, like they've they might have it might have been a, a 10 days later or something like that. And then they go, oh, but, you know, it ovulated on this date and the shed was like this date. So, you know, it can't be that. But from my observations, from dealing with lots of females, 25 to 30 days, it's sort of in that, if they have a shed, 25 to 30 days after they have that ovulation, there'll be a clutch. There'll be a healthy clutch, you know? The longer, the better. Yeah. You know, I think yep. the longer, that's the that's the real development stages of everything happening. If that happens too quick, you you got trouble. You know. Yeah. So the longer they're in there in that perfect environment, the better. Yeah. So um, trying to see if there's anything else here that we might need to look at. You know, it's just some more combat and things like that. And then uh, you know, once the shed is there, it's sort of the the back end of the process, and you just let it ride out. And then uh, hopefully. You know, I've got some I've got some photos of clutches here that's being laid. So you know, we've got we've seen this lots of times. But there's nothing. I love the smell of I love the smell of eggs, fresh exits. You know, I love the smell of snake eggs in the morning. You know, mm. and they'll do that. You know, like uh, you can put a hide in there. What do you what do you, talk talk to me about? What do you do? How do you so what do you give the female when you know this is grabbing? What why, how do you process leading up to eggs? What do you provide the female for her to lay eggs? In? Um, early in the season, like most of the time off season, the girls would have just a hide 
um, plastic black hide, which is easy just for cleaning to lift up. Um, during breeding season or well before season, like now or a month ago, I use lay boxes, I call them. They're just a black plastic tub, um, hole cut in the side that they can crawl into that you can lift the entire tub out from. Um, so they're still covered. They will sit on top of that. Um, and there's a fine gap in those python tubs between the, the top of those lay tubs and the roof. So they'll curl up in that to feel nice and secure yeah. um, and also use the tub internally. Um, I won't put anything like as in um, pre-lay, uh, like sphagnum moss or anything in there until uh, they've had that pre-lay. Um, and I'll normally wait uh, 10, 15 days after uh, they've, they've had that pre-lay shed to put the, the mixture um, of sphagnum moss dried out into the lay box and, yeah. and let it dry out a little bit. I, I squeeze it right out um, and throw that into the lay box. I don't want it to be damp in there. Any dampness I think will stop the girls from laying. So it still needs a time a week or so in there on the constant heat by then to dry that out a fair bit. And then the girls will shape it. They will push it where they want it. Yeah. Some girls hate it and they'll push it all out of the box they won't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, other girls will make a nice little, you know, lay area in the middle of it. Um, yeah. You'll see in some of those photos where they'll sort of make a little, little raised up area and they'll lay all the eggs nicely. Yeah, I posted in that. The middle of I've got that photo up there of that granite uh, female that's sitting, you know, so you can see yeah. the, you can see the black tub and then the, the sphagnum moss sort of pushed aside for her to lay a clutch on there and stuff, you know? So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in two minds about it. I, I think I, I, early days I did try, um, I did try lay boxes and eventually I just, you know, they, they used to roll. I used to just keep them. They used to crawl in under the paper and they used to lay the eggs under there. And that left, left me with eggs that were nice and clean and <laughs> I didn't have any, you know, I tried to, uh, because I'm such a clean freak, you know, I, I didn't like the bits of shit on there and little bits of, grass Stuck and stuff that can yeah. can cause yeah. bacterial fungal infect you know cause the exigo i think i've got a this is my only i think this was the one year that i tried to sort of a mix of vermiculite this was early days man this would have been <laughs> 2009 maybe or something so and that's a big darwin head for albino female so i'll just show the photo um so she's sitting on a clutch of eggs i think that was 36 eggs so this this female was a this is the mum of this is the mum of the super ze the zebra jag that gave you that yep. possible head zebra jag, and she yep. was the she made this this female made hundreds of hatchlings in her time. I mean, I got her as an eighteen month old at three point six kilos. Mm, beast. <laughs> <laughs> but she bred she bred and she was solid every year she like 36 38 36 and then the numbers went down because i just couldn't feed her the way that i think the previous i, I got her from rob coward up in the northern territory and man he had a heavy hand when he came to but they were worth you know head for albino i think i paid three and a half thousand dollars for her you know it's an expensive female, but you know, she she gives you thirty eight eggs. I think after clutch turned out to be. I think I got eighteen albinos out of her first clutch. It was crazy. Yep. You know, so it, it paid for itself. Yeah. Mm. So, um, oh yes, I've got a female a photo. You have a female albino, and you can see the, you know, you can see the stiff back end. That female is gravid. So see how far the eggs have moved towards the back end here. So, and I think these. The, this is the mum of that. Uh, of the. This is the. Fi this is the mother of the head for granites that I made. So she was a pretty, pretty albino. I don't know. I could never see where the, 
the caramel influence and the hypo influence came. She just looks like a normal albino to me. So mm. um, you'll see the photos pop up as we go. Yep. You, uh, you're, you're a little nice bit. banded girl. Yep. Yeah. So um, let me see if there's anything else here. Now, uh, there was, uh, I did have photos of a female that I bred. Now, size-wise, size-wise. So what, what do you think? Of, uh, we, we jump past this, but I think it's important. So at what weights do you think is a good a, a weight and age to breed a male and a female? What what weights do you think is is the best? Very controversial topic. Everyone has their own theories. Males, I find, uh, less important and everyone dismisses them, but you've got to remember that they're going to do all the work too. So I'm not as quick to throw young boys in and give them lots of work. If you've got yeah. a boy under one kilo and he's 18 months old and you're going to try and run him through 10 girls, you're going to you know, potentially run into trauma. Um, I like the boys. I don't like them to be tiny. I don't think they need to be kept lean and tiny. Um, I like the boys to be 1.5, two kilos, you know, or, or bigger. Uh, I've got no issue with a three kilo male, even, yeah. you know, that, that that's still going to do the job as long as he's not overweight, um, still see muscle retention, uh, some muscle tone in his back. Yeah. Um, I've got no issue with boys being a good size, you know, um, female wise. I, like I said, I used to breed girls at 18 months and I've had great success with it for years. I, I, I've had some disasters with females also. Yeah. So I used to say two kilos was my goal mark for yeah. females. If I could get them to that size by two years. Yeah. Um, these days I've reviewed that. I, I now try to go two and a half years first time breeding and I want 2.5 kilos on them before I'll try, you know, to try and get clutches out of them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, get clutches out of girls it's been great for me you know where i've got stuff out early and got projects you know well down the track is where you get them to breed at 18 months but i don't think it's great for the girls um less likely to have issues like i've I've had some disasters i'm happy to share my experiences i think you've got some photos there of some of my disasters but um that that can happen at, at any time that's not just related to small girls but i think if you have a small girl who has some sort of complication, it's going to get out of control much faster. You're going to see some some more likely fatal issues from things going bad in young, inexperienced girls than older girls. Yeah, so I'll show you something now talking about younger girls. So, like, so, so in my my mind, uh, age plays as much an important role as size. Okay, so but I've yeah. had I've had this this was a freak. This I've never seen this ever before, and people couldn't believe when I showed them the photo. So I had a female that was about a kilo. But she was five years old. She was one that started. I think she was one of, she was one of, uh, a set, one of a set of twins. So you know how small they are, and you know she was never big or whatever. So the one year she was head albino as well. So she was a jungle half blood jungle Darwin, and the one year so I ended up with a clutch from her. But I want to show you how big this female was because she was a poor feeder and whatever. But she gave me this clutch. Now I've got lucky. See, this is the great thing about mobile phones and photos on here. So see, here's a cotton wool tip um, box with cotton wool tip to give you an idea. So everybody knows how big these little cotton bud boxes are. You probably see the photo rolling on your screen a little bit later. Um, and there's just next to a 500 ml deli cup. So she was a kilo. I think after she laid her eggs, I think she came down to like 650 grams or something ridiculous. And I think she gave me, uh, 
six or seven eggs. I think there were seven fertile eggs. They hatched, no issues. There's a little tubber next to it. So, you know, age is as much a factor in um, in a female's reproduction as as what it what what size is. You know, I agree with Brent. You know, they have to be big, but I think after a certain age, I think their bodies can handle. So, I, I think it becomes more of an age thing. Uh, you know, size is first, and then age is the next thing. You know, as, as soon as they reach a certain age, I think their bodies can handle it. You don't want to breathe. I, I don't think you need to breathe them super early but i've changed my mind as well over over time about things um but I mean, this is just a whole folder of bloody breedings and stuff like that so we've seen enough of that and then um what is the next are we still we i think we're still traveling all right um visual cues introduction of males mating behavior signs of mating behavior we've covered that palpating females we've covered that signs of, of ovulation post ovulatory sheds nesting and egg laying so now if you if you if you cover all your bases you end up with a nice bunch of bunch of eggs at the end of the day, you know, and um, I think that's what we, we all aim for that, is that uh, I call... Oh, here we go. The paper comes out. <laughs> the special <laughs> request from Cole himself. I, th- he I, I thought you were look. I thought you looked like you're busy writing. Stuff. I was reading reading comments. Yes. Uh, let me see. I want to go back to that folder that we had. So, we'll skip through a few. We'll we'll go through a bunch of photos. So, um, you know, we'll just go in random order, and uh, keep people entertained because they they come here to. Oh, I've got a nice video of me and my fat days. You know. Oh, oh I love these ones. <laughs> back in the glory days. The fat days are coming back. So I'll, I'll throw this up. I'll quickly just scan through these things. So just the, you know, just the basic effects. You know, you see mating. I'm, I'm it's going. It's a nice video of, of Manise going through a um, several year <laughs> a growth a growth <laughs> spurt. You know, so if you do everything that you're supposed to do, you know, you sort of get this. So one photo that I'm, uh, you know, Brent was saying how the eggs come out. So people wonder, you know, do they come out of the cloaca like this or do they come out of the cloaca like that? So they come out soft. Okay. Like a, like a, like a soft, like a marshmallow. No, no, not even a marshmallow. It's like a deflated footy, like a deflated rugby ball almost. And then slowly, you know, look at it and you go, what the hell's going on here? And then slowly over time, they sort of, you can see the pores on them, you know, because there's the snake, the the egg breathes, you know, oxygen absorbs oxygen through the the, the shell. So you can see this, the the egg start drying out. And then as they start drying out, they firm up and stuff like that. So it's incredible to watch, you know, like I recommend it to anybody, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't breed snakes. And I, I myself, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a. I'm, I'm a little bit against people just breeding for breeding's sake. But if you if you oh, there's that clutch of thirty eight man, that was a ridiculous monster clutch. Um, but you know, people say don't breed. But you know, it's a good experience for any young reptile keeper. There's ovulation again. It's a good experience for anybody that likes reptiles. You know, to go through that process at least once. You know. Yep. Great fun. Just be mindful of what you breed. You've got to care for. Um, if you can't sell that, you've got mouths to feed. So, you yeah. know, breeding one clutch for the experience is great. You'll always find homes for one clutch. Breeding five clutches of something and then being stuck with it is is another whole story. So yeah. So I'll go through. I'll scan through some of these photos. You know, there's a big old hemipene. Brent can see. Probably watch this afterwards. He's seen a bunch of MEPs in his life yeah. for these snakes, so we all know how these things work. Some granite love there. Uh, there's some uh, 
some good luck. Yeah, some nice looking snakes. Yeah, you know, worked for some nice stuff in my life. Brent as well. Brent works for some of the best stuff now. Oh, I like going to visit you. <laughs> okay, so we've seen some of these photos. Let me just go and see. So once you get your clutch, you know. So what do you do? What do you do when you get your clutch? Now, let me just find my video so we can all have a good laugh at my expense. And I'm willing to. I'm willing to take the. You know, I'm willing to take the sacrifice. I'm, I'm making the sacrifice here for you guys to have a laugh. All take right. one for the team. I'll take one for the team because I know it's important to take some, you know, to show commitment to your cause. You know, mm. I do like carpets. I'll eventually, I'll eventually. I don't know if I get back. I, I like them, but you know, I just, I just can't. I can't. I can't chase. I can't be the horse at the back of the race. You know, I just, I just don't like that. So, um, let me see. So this is a so this this was an interesting video that I had. I, I th uh, people might have seen it before. So this is a female just shuffling her eggs around. So a female can lift, you know. People think, oh, they lay the eggs, and you know, if, if, you know, you have to make sure. You know, I, I worry when they lay them on the hot spot. But pythons mm -hmm. are pythons are clever. I'll show you something here. So this is a little video. I don't think I've seen it before. So this is a female moving a clutch around. Okay. So you can see how she lifts the clutch around and she shuffles. She shuffles the clutch to where she wants it to be. And that's a jag. People say jags make terrible mums. I don't think so. Look at that. Okay, so now we don't want to see those ads. So that was one of the videos. And then, um, so I thought that that's a, you know, that's a great video of, um, and then I've got some photos here. I've got the time lapse here of a female laying a clutch. And you can see the eggs coming out, so... And that's another reason I like those lay boxes. You know, those, those little black boxes I use, they have like a 10 mil raised floor. Yeah. So it traps heat underneath there, which generates the heat up into the box. Yeah. But it also doesn't allow them to lay directly over a heat cord, you know, where you've got that risk of um, over temp. You know, you, and in a short period of time, I don't think that's an issue if, you, if, if your animal lays and you get to them within a few hours, I don't think it's going to do much damage to the eggs. They're, they're tougher than we give them credit for. Yeah. And if you're like me, I'm stalking them, you know, I'm up, <laughs> up in the morning, you know, in egg laying season and you get to see the indicators when you think in the morning there'll be eggs there, you know, and you can rock out there and um, they may have laid early. They, I find they always lay early morning. Yeah. So you're out there at five checking and I'm often very late to work because, you know, there's, 10 eggs out and I'll see there's still, you visually see them by then. It looks like there's three or four more. And, you know, I'm ringing the boys saying I'll be in at nine, you know, like normally by, by nine, everything's out and done of what's going to get done. And I like to grab them out. Um, some stuff I'll separate or semi-separate yeah. you know, and straight in the incubator and, and then go to work. So yeah, you're the boss. You just, that's the only time I've seen you. <laughs> leave work or you don't uh, even go to work you just say oh i'm not coming in i'm just i'm just uh i've got some i need i've got some uh, errands to run at home and then you just, just sit there and watch them lay until they, and then yep. you rush off to work so there's I just that. from my wife don't worry i get reminded of that very often of you know it, it need to take time off for kids something or family something or help me with something yeah. i can't do it i've got to go to work sorry but yeah. you know snakes you know laying eggs everything stops doesn't matter what it is sorry you know you know yeah. and i used to be the same with egg cutting you know eggs pipping and the whole world would stop now i've got a little bit more patient you know i even see stuff pip in the morning and uh you know 
Are you I'm not staying cut, but I'll go to work and come home and then cut the, the rest of the clutch. So we have um, to remember we have to remember that whatever we can do, they can do better for themselves in nature, and they seem to do course. a perfect job. You yeah. know, they've been doing it for thousands of years. They they just know. So yeah. us yeah. trying to intervene is just not gonna, you know, like that's what I'm saying. You know, these things, those gravid females in the wild would crawl over rocks and push themselves through rock crevices and go places. You know, so they're not little pieces of they're not the fine jewelry that will break if you go near them you know like like i said you know i used to go in there if there was a hide and they were in there busy doing their stuff i used to just lift it up if the male was mating with them you close it up and that's it so what if yeah. you interrupt they'll probably hook, they'll hook up again and some most yes. of the times you know we've i've seen males hook up sometimes for up to a day or two with a female if he really likes the girl you know mm. so i'm sure you know like a, a little bit of the this you know disruption is not going to make the world so i'm going to put this i'm just quickly need to run to the loo i think this video is four minutes it should cover this so sit back and relax the fat me uh in the good old days and i'll just make sure that the video is uh not the the levels are right okay okay g'day everybody i just uh thought i'd take some time to make a video and show you how these incubation tubs of ours work a large budget incubation tub they look like that. They come with a removable tray. And uh, the first thing that you do to start using these uh, to get a clutch of uh, python eggs, we recommend it. Most of the bigger or larger pythons in Australia, we use uh, just commercially available water crystals uh, mixed in a ratio of one teaspoon to 600 or 700 mils of water. We find that consistency seem to be the best. Just add that to your tub. This uh, provides the necessary humidity inside the tub for the eggs to not dry out. Give it a good swirl around. And then you put your tray in. Go straight away. That goes to the side. Or oh, let's put it this side because I'm going to work with the female on that side. So we just got this clutch of. Uh, Carpet python eggs, as you guys can see in there, and to remove the girl, you literally just have to be very careful. It's quite a good clutch. For the first time female, you have to try and avoid the head. And it's about as simple as it gets. Make sure you have a tub ready for her to go in, like I don't have at the moment. So let's put it on the floor. Uh, what happens to these eggs now is, uh, that's what you call a slug or an unfertilized um, egg. It's really just a follicle that's that's hasn't developed like the rest of these guys. So that usually goes straight in the bin. Um, to remove the eggs, quite simple. We literally just place it up in there, pick up the eggs. They don't seem to mind, mind moving around too much at that this stage. They go into the incubator. A couple of years they're driving around, but they seem to settle down at the time. Let's we'll wedge them in there. Hopefully they've been caught it okay. And uh, we usually mark them with a pen just with a little number on it. So I'm a little unprepared. That's sort of a spur of the moment video of this. 
we normally do is we mark them. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. This also gives us a rough indication of where the eggs, uh, what side up they need to go if they ever decide to roll or like I'm clumsy, I sometimes knock them. These eggs all look good. Um, the second part of this uh, process is to actually make this stuff user friendly again. So what we do normally do is we just give it a spray with F10. You'll find the female will be restless for a few days. After laying the eggs, this is just to get rid of some of the scent that's involved in uh, some of the eggs. And the paper goes in, water bowl goes back, and it's ready to move on. Thanks for watching. I decided to add a little bit more to this video. Part three. Now, these were those eggs that we just had a look at. I pulled from that female and I just wanted to show you what good eggs look like so that egg's got the really small little veins it's hard to see there they are a of eggs down here veins running on the inside of the shell so far so good See the eggs right there. Yeah, and that's how you know the uh, clutch is good that you just pulled. Thanks for watching. Yeah, so that's uh, you could see the the shirt hanging over the gut. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, the good stuff. Okay, so but I uh, I think uh, I think we pretty much covered. Uh, let me just see because I've I've got always got more stuff here. Oh yes, I've got a video here of a female doing that. Are you still there, Brent? Are you still alive, yeah, yeah. mate? Yeah, yeah. Enjoying the enjoying the multimedia we've got uh, incorporated in the show tonight. So this be this will be be going. So Colin's watching. You know, this is this is leveling up this stuff. So from next week on, this is all we're gonna do is just like cut in and out and do some video stuff. Yeah, you know. Yep. Um, more interacting. It's always good. Yeah, yeah. Interacting. So show the stuff, the rare stuff. You know. So. Um, I've got this photo. So this female here is doing the the, the characteristic uh, of pre. I don't know. If, I think she was ovulating. This was post ovulatory um, body movements. <coughs> beg your pardon. Beg me. Beg my pardon. <laughs> beg me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I should. I should just shut up. Um, okay. So let's have a look at this video. Okay. So somebody asked me the other day, "How do you know if a snake's uh, grab it?" Now, normally, females are not that sensitive in their back end and they're not stiff like this and you pick them up they curl in like that all right you can see the ovulation and that remains like that until it is real uncomfortable real annoyed yes Let's try something that a trained eye can pick up real quickly okay so I pretty much I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, do you think there's uh, anything more? You know, I mean there's always be more. There'd be stuff that we missed for sure. Always something we miss. You're missing water in that water bowl, which I always used to notice in your videos. You must have been short on water back in the days or something. <laughs> water restrictions. Yeah, you know, but... some secret remedy of yours, you know. You know, I was always worried because I, I my 
the biggest thing that I worried about was was uh, females spilling those or laying eggs in water bowls. Lay, I think that yes, yep. that was my. Th- I think that was the theory behind um, not having water in there. But it wasn't a it wasn't a common occurrence. I you did wisen me up. I did. I I did. I did have issues a couple of times with females that I think was dehydrated and it causes them to have issues with laying the eggs. It has to. Yep. I mean, when their bodies right, it's like running, you know, it's like uh, running a car with no oil. You know, it's the same thing. If, if they're not lubed, lubed up properly inside, then of course it's going to cause, cause you issues long term with yep. all different types of issues. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I found that there's probably an area we, we should discuss is that's all things going well there can be disasters also with uh things that happen during those processes um some due to environment some just due to defects that happen during the process um dehydration is one of them i i had a couple of um females get egg bound that were on critter crumble and i always thought that critter crumble absorbs so much out of the environment you know so dry all the time in those enclosures that they sat on off and wondered whether uh, they just sucked too much humidity out of everything for the girls. Um, yeah. which is weird that both girls that were on that critter crumble, um, got egg bound in the same year. You know, I've, I found that odd. Okay. So I'm um, going to, yeah. I've got the photos here. So what I'm going to do is we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking. Tell us, you'll probably take a while to get the photos come through, but as soon as they start coming through to you, keep talking now, tell us what happened. And uh, then people will start seeing the pictures as they, you know, you'll start seeing the pictures and then you can talk us through it. So what, um, uh, no, we, yeah, somebody's just asking if we're going to talk about incubation. Yeah, incubation is another topic. We, we Breeding snakes and then we'll have a show on, on incubation because that's all not, I'm doing another show tomorrow at, on the Reptile News Channel with John Adragna. That's, uh, that's going to be very focused on reptile incubation because he's the founder of some incubation tubs or the i've done a lot so watch go on to reptile news uh tomorrow uh, i think we're doing this i think the show starts at one or 12 o'clock or one o'clock i think if for, from memory nine o'clock uh, new york time so whatever that is in australia so i think it's i think it's 12 o'clock or one o'clock or something just go and check out the page so brent i think that picture would have probably popped up on your screen now yep. could just just tell us yep. what uh, so what happened with these females this was a couple of coastal girls um, that both got egg bound at the same time and they were not young either. I think they were three and a half years old Yeah. Um, and first time breeding. That's those females. Um, that's one of the females that we showed a photo of that with that big massive ovulations. That was the jag, yep. wasn't it? That was the jag. They, they both got egg bound the same year. The caramel girl and the um, jag um, girl both got egg bound. One yep. of them had surgery, um, the caramel girl. Yeah. Um, actually had three incisions in it to remove the eggs so they couldn't be um, forced out manually. Yeah. Um, so she never bred again. It was on the advice of Robert Johnson, stitched her up and saved the girl's life, got rid of the eggs. But yep. um, the girl became a pet for years and a mate of mine wanted a snake and he, she now lives a fantastic life in an enclosure at his place, Spoiled Rodden. Yep. Um, beautiful animal too. So I'm glad she found a nice home to live out her days. Um the other girl, um, she got egg bound. There was one egg stuck at the back, which I find is generally what happens a lot of the time that starts this egg bound process. One abnormal sized egg or... Um, there should be uh, photos. Like a, the, the photos should be... stuck together. Yeah. Um, yep, that might be it where they're, they're starting to come out. This is when it went to Robert um, and he manually pried those eggs out of her. You know, like he said there, 
they're close enough. They basically shove a syringe in the cloaker. Um, they'll extract all the fluid out of out of the egg that's right there at the vent yeah. um, and shove some small, uh, fine, pointy nose pliers in there and, and drag that egg out. Yeah. Um, and that'll make it free for the rest of the eggs to slide down behind it. And that picture you can see there, that little purple thing is the embryo that's come out of that eggshell. It's ruptured when it's come out of that girl. Um, interesting to see, you know, that, that process. Um, and then you see the eggs. Uh, I know you tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it a couple of times. And Robert Johnson told me he has seen success before with eggs removed and incubated and worked. Yeah. And I, I, I've never seen it done. Um, I'd like, you know, if I could ever, you know, talk to Robert more about that, I'd love to see results that happen. Cause when that happened, he said to me, take these eggs home and incubate them. They're fresh out. And I'm like, throw them in the bin. They're useless. I've been there before. It never works. Um, there, there's something that happens to those eggs when they get laid that yeah. uh, is part of the process that makes them work. I guess, then, I yeah, guess sure enough, they went in the bin two weeks later. I guess the mum knows when the eggs are exactly the right time, when those eggs are ready to start living, you know, start yep. breathing, all that process. I think it, the, the timing is so so right. That's why a couple of days too late and the eggs are dead. I had a, I had a female that did exactly that, you know, so she got egg bound. The days were just like, it was just too long, you know, you could see the lumps. You know, normally you can see the lumps right down to, close to the clo cloaca, you know, you can see the... The, the bump sitting there like she's she can't get them out so i waited yep. i think i waited for a week i took them to shane shane ultrasound shane's got the shane simpson's got this massive ultrasound or this expensive ultrasound down at Karingal uh, veterinary clinic and he ultrasound and apparently uh, these expensive ultrasound units can actually see oxygenated and deoxygenated blood and he, and they could literally see he could literally scan into the egg and see the vessels were dead inside those eggs. It's unbelievable, mm. you know, like this is why I'm saying, you know, there's these tools available to us that if you act early on, you could save a female. Oh, that female never made it. You know, n none of the eggs ruptured though, but you know, she was past the point of, uh, of, of recovering, I think. You know, you never know. They, uh, if they if they have those issues, they, they're secondary infections and stuff like that that eventually kills them. They could carry those eggs, but they, the eggs start rotting. As soon as they start rotting, there's an issue, you know? So uh, and I've got the I've got a photo here of that one that uh, from this season that you uh, the the one that almost made you cry. You want oh, to sh yes. you want to yes. do you want to do you want to tell the world about that? Let, let's let's put it up. I'll stick it up. Um, you can start talking about the snake, and you should probably start seeing it once uh, once you start uh, telling us what happened. Yep, I'm sure that'll be the granite girl. Yeah, um, yeah. She was an 18 month old girl, two kilos, beautiful snake, absolute stunning granite girl. And this is a girl who changed my whole theory on breeding girls at that age. You know, like you said, maturity plays a big part in it. Yeah. Um, age, it, it, it over trumps. Uh, it's more important, I think, age than the size. But she, she was 18 months old, but yeah. um, two kilos, everything going well. Um, made it beautifully with a Sun Glow Zebra Jag boy. Um, everything went well. Um, she was... Uh, all the eggs had pushed down towards the vent. Everything was on track. You know, I had no concern with her whatsoever yeah. until it got to 30 days. All the eggs were right at the vent. I've got a photo somewhere and you can see that's the first indication that I thought things 
were going bad when they get that very swollen look at the bend and the tail almost looks tiny. It's like they explode that whole back end so yeah, much. Yeah. The tail Stick. becomes like a little thin yeah. nib off the back of it. You know, it's just flapping in the breeze behind these giant mats. And I thought, this is not right. And yeah. it was just shocking timing. I had to go away for two days, um, a family thing we had on. And I was, I didn't want to go. I remember telling the, the kids and and Sharia sitting in the car and yeah. I'm back in the shed. I'm just going to have a look. <laughs> One more. Uh, I just need to check if she starts laying or something. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. And they, they got back out of the car and came back inside and we, we delayed the trip by hours. And in the end, I, I just said, look, we just got to go. And luckily my older son was at home and I said, you ring me, check and tell me what's going on. You know, two days on my way. Let's yeah. just, I checked in with him that long and I was so stressed on that trip that were away, you know, it just made a nightmare time for me, but nothing happened those two days. And yeah. I knew by then it had gone 33, 34 days. And I was very uncomfortable with it. We came home and Caden, my oldest son had checked that girl. He was going to work, um, checked her six o'clock in the morning, yeah. said, yep, she's still in the box. No eggs. I got home at 10 o'clock in the day and she was dead. And I think it was just a case of she was egg bound and just the stress of four or five days of her constantly trying, pushing and trying to get these eggs out of her. Um, yeah. I think she just stressed to death, you know, the, the egg bound possible infection and it all happened very quickly. Um, I got home to a dead snake with a clutch that I was really looking forward to, you know, and I, I felt very responsible for that. I, I felt like I should have taken more action if I had been at home. Yeah. Um, I probably would have tried to extract that first egg um, eventually you'll see in those pictures, I cut that girl open. The very first egg near the vent was oversized, was just yeah, yeah. Like abnormally a large yep. uh, and, and the shape of it wasn't right. Yep. Every, every egg up her body, you could see she had, I think she had 10 eggs inside her. Yep. Um, and every egg after that looked fantastic. So if I could have just got that one out, um, she might've got the rest out, but, um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I would be happy to have every one of those eggs in the bin and have that snake alive today. You know, it's, you know, you don't get a second chance yeah. after that sort of event. So um, yeah. that's something you, you got to be prepared for these things that can happen. Um, right. If you, And it, when you, you, you get a little bit more experience and you've seen a few more things, your radar starts to turn on. I just knew something was wrong. Yeah. And we were away with people. And I remember saying to them, I just know something's wrong with this thing. You know, I just, and you, so you know, the, the adamant, you know, and you know, the funny thing is, I, I think oh, I said, you sent, I think you, did you post the photo of that granite? You posted the photo, and I remember seeing that photo, and I looked at her, and I went, by the way she's posturing and sitting in, just from one picture, I looked at her, and I, I think I sent Chris a photo, and I said, what do you think? Do you think this is? That's not that's and then I I think you 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 sent me the photo. I mean, though you still you know it was a big thing to you losing that snake. I know you you yeah. love that snake, you know, and yeah. uh, I remember you sending me the photo, and I went fuck. My gut was telling you know like you like you said it's a, that gut feeling. The longer you do this stuff, the more you know what's right and what's wrong, and you can just see by the way they sit, you know, because they lose that. It's almost like they lose that that sensitivity in their back end. Like you know what that they have the we, the clutch is coming still versus when the clutch should be out they sort of relax and it's like okay these things are sitting inside me I don't know what to do with them but I you know like what's they're probably dead so I'm not protecting them anymore and I, you know and I, you know like you know that gut feeling that you like 
the way they they change their attitude towards that clump of eggs in there. It's almost like they know I'm in trouble here. You need to help me do this something here, you know? Yeah. Well, obviously, they push so much, yeah. you know, and when, when they just can't get the job done, there's only an energy level that they've expelled so much. And you, you remember this is deep in season. This is the end end of the game for yeah, them. Yeah. You know, those eggs come out. They get to, get to wrap around them, you know, incubate normally. But in for our game, that's it. They're done, you know. So it's... They've had no food for a while. Everything's all their energy's gone into that pr- producing those eggs inside her. Yeah. So they're at a low energy level anyway. So um, yeah, that was a very very harsh lesson lesson for me about you know younger girls. Those things can happen. I think um, the size of the animal matters and the maturity level matters yeah. a lot. So I I changed my minimums. I guess you'd say based on that experience alone. That that one hurt me bad. You know as a animal that i really didn't want to lose so. yes yeah, so, so just to just i found a photo here that i thought we might just share so i just wanted to show um so this is what i was talking about the sperm plug so ideally you don't want like i, I just think I, I saw a video the other day as well that sort of other guys do it you know with the ball python guys they sort of push this they you know they pop this snake to get rid of this little sperm plug here so you see this little hard piece here that's literally skin that just blocks up the hemipene when it's not used so you want that r- rid of that because that goes into the female sometimes i don't know i don't know it could block up the female you know and prevent the good white stuff you know the the fluid here that's the good that's the semen that you want inside the female to 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 uh you know fertilize the eggs that so, surprisingly comes out very easily yeah that doesn't take much effort to you know much like popping you can get that that excretion to come out very very simply. Yeah, well, like we'll do some like I, I think we need to I need to make a little series about uh, you know accurate right popping and stuff like that. I mean the videos we showed tonight. I don't want people to go and try it and damage their snakes because you can you know you can hurt a male if you don't if you do it wrong. And um, you know we'll uh, I'll definitely do try and do a, a sh- definitely do a show on 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 hatchling management and stuff like that because this is you know this is carpet python TV so if you want you know if you want to learn about carpet pythons this is gonna, uh, hopefully hopefully the underline you know I've got big plans and you know the more guys I get on here the more we delve into this and you know they they I don't I've never thought of a carpet python as being a higher grade animal to breed you know it's not a chameleon or a, or uh, what, what else is, uh, you know, chameleons are pretty much at the top of these things. Or monitors, you know, like, uh, you know, Fijian, you know, F- or Fijian iguanas and stuff like that. You know, uh, mm. they're not in those leagues of, 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 of hard-to-breed animals. But the more you know, the better you get with it. You know, and it's, it's like I said earlier in the show, you know, it's, 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 it's about everything putting the package together, the, the getting the fuller picture, you know, like ultrasound here, you know, palpating females there, observation, you know, subtle cues. It's, it's the full package, you know, data monitoring, data collecting, seeing what the room does, seeing how you can adjust your room temperature so they might it might drops a little bit drop a little bit lower in, in winter, maybe drop go a little bit higher in summer. These little bits of things it's all when it all comes together at the end of the if, when it all comes together well is when you have that season where you go, man, I I tried to breed ten snakes and I got ten clutches. You know? Mm. That to anybody's a good you know, like if you can if you can nail it's like you said last year the you know, I spoke to you and you said you nailed the the clutches that you wanted, 
to make, you made them. That's where mm. you want to be. You don't want to be yeah. the guy there that shows all your matings at the beginning of the season and go at the end of the year, you go, yeah, I had a bad year because this, and you start playing the blame game and pointing the finger at, at things that you, you just didn't bother learning about. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot, uh, there's a lot more skill involved in breeding these things consistently all the time than just putting snakes together, you know? Yeah, and you take risk if you use younger males and females, you know? Yeah, that's that's limiting your chances of uh, having perfect, you know, amount of clutches from what you're pairing up. So it, it can be harder. And yeah. the, the secret weapon, I remember when you came to my place looking at that little sperm uh, excretions you look at, do you, do you still taste test those to <laughs> check the pH levels in them to see if they're good or not? I never did. He's lying now. I remember you coming to your my place and you popped that um, sun glow <laughs> jag, and I remember you telling me you thought it was a male, and I thought it was a female, and it, it was a male. But I remember you doing the little pop and then doing a little, you know, little, little test. And you thought, I was oh, messing I with you. I know, I know, I know. It was funny though. It was a, it was uh, a my my face when you did that. I was just like, this guy's nuts. Wrong with this bloke, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I How wouldn't experience do you have to have to uh, to know how these things taste. Yeah, right? yeah. I I did try um I did we'll we will talk. I said, who did I speak to? I speak to spoke to somebody the other day that actually oh it was Jared. Jared Sharp that said he did the artificial insemination. I tried that a couple yes. of seasons. I messed around with that. I bought the microscope because I was hell bent on doing that. Because I know Raymond Raymond Hoser did it success, successfully, so I tried to figure out how to do that. Because then you don't need males; you just you know you squeeze out the sperm, you put it where it's supposed to go, and then you get. Uh, but in that process of squeezing it out versus putting it into something happens to it, then it sort of dies, and then you know, like you need yeah, to know what you're doing. Hard process to get right, but you got a super lazy male, and you know you you won't do the job. <laughs> you, you really need that sort of that yeah, sort of technology to kick through. Somebody said, "Yeah, that should be our new slow, our new motto on this show: be the snake. You have to be this. You, <laughs> you do have to be the snake, you know. You have to be at one with the animal, you know. I mean, yeah. there's things you you'll go to extreme levels of seeing to, to be the snake, you know. Be at one. Yeah. If if I could look, if I could climb into the cage with them and just lie there and, <laughs> and just, just experience lie in the corner and monitor what's going on, experience what's happening there. But it's like you know, the more the longer you do this, I mean, you could put I I could put my hand into a cage and I could I could tell from feeling tactilely if the humidity is right. Or if the temperature's right, or if it's too hot. I mean, it's all stuff that you learn from opening cages and putting your hands in there and feeding. It's it's that it's that repetition, all that those little baby steps. All every day you do the same stuff, the same stuff. Instead of just becoming doing a monotonous, become becoming like just a, a chore. Try and mm. take away as much from it as you can. That's what makes yep. great snake breeders are the guys that pay attention, be the snake. Yeah, be this. <laughs> Remember, be the snake. Yeah. So uh, I, I, we did, we did a good. I think it was a good show. Two and a half hours. I think. Um, yeah. Somebody's saying the tan. Yeah. I don't have my big uh, light yet to wash out the tan. You know. I, I think I we represent. We need to work on your lighting in that room. You look very pale, but it could be because you've been cooped up for two weeks or three weeks in your house, doing Possibly. data entry at oh. work in office. Yeah. I'm under, under a bright LED light here as well i'll have to uh i need to enhance my studio a little bit better 
the studio, huh? Yeah, uh, mm, we won't mm, go there. The studio. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, thank you for. Uh, well, uh, I think two and a half hours is long enough. I'll, I'll upload uh, the high quality because I've rec- I actually I forgot to press record. You didn't remind me, but oh yes, but you told me to remind you too. Oops. About mm. about ten minutes in, I remembered, so I recorded it. So what I'll do is I'll 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 download the first bit and I'll sort of I'll edit it onto what I recorded here. So you might start. So when you go onto the webs, because I'll I'll remove that. I'll delete. I don't know. I might leave it up because the Americans are asleep now, and I'm, I know there's a bunch of American guys who were keen to watch the show, and I think this was a good show. It'll be handy for people that, you know, like you say, people don't, two and a half hours is a long time, but people who are really keen to learn and want to know more, don't yeah. sit and watch it, you know, especially if you're sitting in isolation and nothing better to do in this time of year, you can yeah. pick up one or two key points that might help you out. Hopefully it, it helps people get some better results and, you know, they can learn a bit from it. Yeah, and they'll be back. I mean, the good thing about these shows is that it goes up there into the cloud and it stays there for a while. So I'll leave it in. I'll I'll leave it for twenty four hours and then I'll pull it and we'll put it in the the website and then you can join, become a member there, a subscriber. Like, please, the, the, it's not to it's not to. I'm not as Mark Zuckerberg or you know I'm not there to skim information. I'm I'm. It'd be good to have emails for people that are interested in carpet pythons because when carpet fest comes around, I can email everybody that was interested in carpet pythons and then they know and they I might even offer a little discount. Who knows? Who knows? Special benefits for subscribers to the the, the carpetpythons.com.au website. So go and have a look. Carpetpythons.com.au. I'll I'll make sure I put some marketing up here at some stage with a .com.au at the end of it. Um, what's this? Great show, guys. Thank you, Colin. Yeah, I, I, thank you very much. I, I And I, you know, I, I do appreciate the guys that are on here all the time. You know, every week, you know, I... I don't want to cater to millions of people. I, I want to, to create, I want to do a, a, a get together a community of guys that are interested in, in what we want to do. Um, yeah, from Russia. There's somebody from Russia. Hello, Alexander. Are you, you, I've saw, I saw that Russia is also in lockdown from the COVID and I don't think they, uh, they, they haven't even reached their peak yet. So be safe over there. Everybody be safe. Um, I think it's sort of uh, it's sort of calming down in Australia now. We did a great job here. Everybody pulling together and just knocking it right on the head. As long as we can just stay away from the bloody beaches in hundreds of thousands of people, you know. As soon as they allow us to go out, don't you know? Don't go and you know. Come on, let's think. You know, be be so be be clever about this whole quarantine thing. Um, here we go. Hey guys, I'll be on hard quiz this Wednesday night with a very sneaky, s- snaky subject. Check it out. Oh, hard quiz. I don't know even what that is. So if there's any, if there's anything you'd like to ask Brent, I think Brent, uh, when Colin's back, I think we'll definitely have you on the show. I'm keen to do another roundtable discussion group uh, to just have a few guys together and and sort of say well, what we're doing and what we're up to this time of year. I'll be talking about blue tongues. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the new frontier blue tongues. Yeah, I might as well. I, you know, I go, I go through waves. Last week I wanted to sell them. This week I'm sort of going, yeah, I'm now breeding season. Let's just go. Let's just go through it. You know, maybe I make some babies and I'll keep the babies. I don't, I don't like working with adults. I don't like working with anything that somebody else made. I like to, you know, same as you. I like to start with stuff that I made, and make yeah. more of it. Yeah, establish like breeding your own animals is also, I find where you start to pick certain traits and pair together things you're trying to make your objectives with you know it's hard when you have to buy in a new 
genetic or a, you know, a new animal because you don't get those options. You get what that seller wants to sell you. When you breed a clutch of something, you get to pick. You know, it's the great the advantage of breeding. You get to keep the best and sell the rest. You know, so yeah. you you get to keep the light one. You get to keep a dark one from the same clutch. And you know, whatever you're trying to achieve with that project, you can do it much better with your own stock than having to buy stuff in. So yeah, no. So um, thank you very much for coming on tonight, mate. I uh, always appreciate the support. I, um, sure, anytime. I, uh, and everybody that watched the show tonight, thanks a lot as well. I, I really appreciate all your support. Um, we're going to try and do something. I think I've got David Evans on next next Friday. That's going to be a good one because David David specializes in a, a, a quite a few things. You know, uh, at Theresia, he does a bit of carpets. He does a bit of monitor. He's done a bit of uh, green tree monitor. You know, it'd be nice to talk to somebody that's, that's kept green tree monitor. So it might be a little bit more of an eclectic uh, show of, different topics i did say to him you know i like to say i'd like to keep it up to sort of a like a like a structured show where we ask the same questions and then we'll have another show with the same breeder and, and sort of delve into the different uh species they had and it's nice to get three or four guys together that work with the same species and sort of run you know ideas on on how they do things so um i'm looking forward to see to hear from david i think there's he's one of those quiet achievers out there yeah, you know, like Sharp and those guys that have got fantastic things buried away, and yeah. uh, fortunately, shows like this can expose some of those things going on behind the scenes. You know, that'll yeah. be a very interesting show. And just a nice guy. I know David supported that he came down to. I didn't even know he was coming down. He, he, he when I had the conferences and stuff a few, uh, you know, five six years ago, he came down from Queensland. He's he, he's, he's supporting carpet carpet fest as well. I don't know with the new date. Um, I'm still waiting to see what happens there the, the venue's still booked for june but i've got a feeling it's going to be enough it's too too late now to sort of push for it so it's definitely going to be postponed to late in the year but uh, david's one of the guys that said he'll come down and uh, come and give us a chat or come and join the panels there that i, I want to have over the weekend and just talk about snakes and just hang out so yeah. um but uh thank you everybody for watching i'll call it call it a night now it's a good uh Two and a half hours. Let me just see here. Two hours and 40 minutes. So all up, it'd probably be three hours. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe. Victoria, rug up tomorrow. I think we're expecting 22 mils of rain. Not sure about the rest of the country. But uh, yeah, stay safe. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks, Dan.